who's the first person that pops into your mind when you think of an inspirational leader? Not the MLK Juniors or Abraham Lincolns of the world, but someone you've actually worked with. I want you to take a moment and picture this person. Picture them in your mind. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you could think of the best partner that you've ever collaborated with, or even maybe the most exciting client. But really picture them and remember how it felt to work with them when you guys came together. What was the dynamic that got you so pumped up? Was it their positivity? Was it their relentless pursuit of excellence that pushed you to levels of performance that you didn't even know that you were capable of? Like most of us, I've been in both the driver and passenger seat of this dynamic. My name is Matthew Lestalia, and I'm on a journey. You see, I've had the honor to serve for nearly 12 years with the U.S. Army and the privilege to lead soldiers and develop other leaders. Now, half of my military tenure was spent as a certified master resilience trainer, or an MRT. As an MRT, I was blessed with the opportunity to help soldiers, officers, special agents to understand and incorporate practical strategies that they can implement in the here and now to stop themselves from becoming their own biggest obstacle or at the very least to stop kicking themselves while they're down. Now, I want to see how much my military training and expertise aligns with the folks outside of the work that I've done with my brothers and sisters in arms. But the work couldn't be more different, right? But what about the people? I mean, at the end of the day, I believe that people are just people. We all experience counterproductive thoughts, self-limiting personal narratives, imposter syndrome, or even catastrophic thinking. Among a myriad other deadly explosives, we've allowed into our thinking, turning our minds into a minefield. The question is, how? How do we combat these things? Well, I've developed effective strategies for service members confronting truly hostile work environments. I'm now on a mission to see how others are doing so that both you and I can learn and grow and continue our journeys toward leading our most fulfilled lives. Now, I continue this journey today by looking at not new, but perhaps just long forgotten leadership style. I'm bringing in our guest for the week, Rana Stegman, who's going to show you exactly how holistic leadership can keep us millennials around for longer than two to three years, and Gen Z around for longer than six to nine months. Rana's personal journey of adoption from India to the US, her heart-wrenching quest of self-discovery and personal demand for excellence fueled her desire to, quote, be the person she needed when she was younger. Raina's motto of do better, be better is a quick insight into how you can avoid the trap of seeking perfection while simultaneously avoiding getting bogged down in the paralysis by analysis paradigm. Now it turns out that holistic leadership, or lack thereof as Raina suggests, may be at the root cause of the great resignation, while simultaneously being the key to how innovative and forward-leading organizations can begin to turn the tide. One last note before we dive right in. My conversation with Rana continued to be so powerful that within two minutes of ending our podcast, I had to turn the camera back on to capture the magic that she continued to deliver. So stay tuned until the end so that you don't miss 
this never done before on my show bonus content from Raina. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Raina Stegman. Yeah, I love it. I just I just hit the record. That actually went really quick. Oh. Wow. You thought we had a few more minutes to talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny um, because I was thinking about it. And I, there's really only three more business weeks of the year uh, for for people in my, my side of the world because Q4, end of Q4, wrapping up the year, doing whatever. You have the end of this week. And mm-hmm. then we're off for no, we're off for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. No one does anything the week of Thanksgiving. You have your first two weeks in December, and then you have all the holiday PTO and the end of year wrap up. So you really only have three more weeks max of actual work work. Cool. And think about, well, dive into that. Like it's diving further into that. Like look at the think about those two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. This week, this week you might be you might be digging in, but everyone's kind of got the Thanksgiving head. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How much worse does that get with those those two weeks of work? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hilarious. So I don't celebrate any. I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't celebrate New Year's. So for and and I'm in training. So every single one of my clients has canceled for the rest of this month already. They're, they're not, and that's okay because we're doing other work for them. Training mm-hmm. is not the only service my company provides, mm-hmm. but all of my self-service training trainees, all, all five clients have canceled for the rest of the month. So that, that frees up my time to, you know, freshen up the knowledge base and do all yeah. of my not people interacting job duties. Um, but it's really funny because I, every, every year it's like this. And in December I I'm waiting, I know I'm going to have at least half of my people cancel because again, we only have three more working weeks of the year. So right. I'm, this is the, this is the time I really like. Cause I'm like, what videos can I make? How can I, how can I annoy other people by updating this knowledge base and with new features, they're going to be like, what did you do? <laughs> oh, and now all of the changes are made. Now you have to, uh, now you have to go take the training because it's yeah, updated. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> and it's always everything I do to the knowledge base. It's always like, it, it's usually other people are like, Hey, where's this article? Or does this exist? Or I think this is updated. So it's nothing that like people haven't seen before right. in that aspect. But we also, um, I, part of my job is to do self-service training. So we're a SaaS company, we custom build insurance software, and we also have some of our really good clients that pay the pretty penny to talk to me. Um, they get to learn how to do front end, front end customizations on their own. Right. So changing questions, changing orders, changing some of the logic. Uh, mm-hmm. They get to learn how to do it on their own. And this is a new product feature that we've offered. It was always in the background, like, we're going to let people do it. But now we've actually started letting people do it. <laughs> um, and so I'm building a whole uh, self-service training like module. It's like a year-long process to actually yeah. learn how to be functional. Um, yeah. And so this December, I would think I want to take my time and like fully flesh out that idea instead of the, Hey, we half baked something and now we're doing it. Now it's like, okay, we tried it. Now I can actually make something that's going to make sense moving forward. Yes. No, that's really cool. I I had an experience similar to that. Um, while I was in the army, I actually did, uh, I, I was working on a social media exploitation team. And so we were, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it gets real. Uh, <laughs> it'll make a lot make a lot of people, um, especially in this day and age, uh, feel a certain way about what we were doing. <laughs> but, oh, I love it because we all know it happens. It's just hearing yeah. the words. It's awesome. And also, isn't that what marketing is? Isn't that what every single social media marketer yep. does? Yep. So and, yeah, and the, I feel no type of way. I love it. Yeah. I love that you use the actual words that that. Uh, yeah, that was actually I named it. So I was given. They're like, hey, we need this to be complete. And I was like, we're going to call it Smexy. And they're like, what? And I was like, social media exploitation. So it's Smexy, baby. I love <laughs> they're like, it. They're Matthew, like, you can't crazy. actually call it that. And I was like, okay, oh. but everyone's going to know what it really is. <laughs> but I can't. Yeah, but I can. <laughs> Everyone here. And so, yeah, we, and really what we did is, so I was working in intelligence for protection. Um, we were, so like the, the army has a service that fulfills two different functions. It's called CID and they do like the FBI portion of like federal investigations for the army. Um, they also do the secret service function um, for not just the army, but for the top, usually like the top 10 DOD human assets, like starting with secretary of defense down to, I think the bottom was like chief of the national guard bureau. Right. So like the big wigs of DOD and I got an opportunity to go work with them and their protection division uh, as an Intel guy. And while I was there, we were fielding and it was like brand new. There was one iteration of people before us that had done the job. And so they were really, everyone was trying to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what the SOPs are going to be and, and what makes sense and what doesn't. They had SOPs and we destroyed them, you know, cause we did them. We're like, okay, this, this, you know, pick them apart, fine tuning all that. But there was a. Uh, hey, Matthew, real quick, define yeah. SOP for me. Oh yeah, standard operating procedure. So okay, hey, you um, know every I know sta- I know what that is. Um, but you know how acronyms are, and I didn't know if maybe your fancy Army, CIA, and and <laughs> social media exploitation had a different uh thing for SOP. But no, 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 one, no. Yep. your standards of process. Yep. Sorry, just in case. Uh, I even tried know. to avoid the uh, the military jargon because I was going to go TTP route, and mm. uh, and that's tactics, techniques, and procedures. So that's I don't know Ooh, how much that's better. well known, but that's that's Wait, that should, that's that should. Yeah, that oh, would sorry, be that would like. require defining. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure I had a calculator at one point named TTP, like one of those graphing <laughs> the Texas instruments. Has, yeah, you know, it's just, just your calculator. It's lots of letters like, and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, we did. We we were doing um, two like twofold. So we would do mission planning, and we would do uh, and I would run like the social media part of mission planning. So they would go like right now, actually. Uh, it's the president. So that wasn't like one of ours. That was secret service. But the president right now, like today is in Indonesia. Unless he was recently, he was yesterday at least. Uh, and he was like speaking with uh, Xi from China and like in like the G20. And so I would, we, the military has those events too. There's like trilateral meetings and this, that, and the other. And so they'd go and I would cru- like, I would use software that was third party, not even military generated. And so I'm not even doing like the really cool stuff that like people are like, Oh, this is like the inside. Like this is no, like we bought like software from a company who did like social media tracking. 
And then we, I was the one who went and attended the training and I brought it back. And the only reason I bring any of this up is because I did like kind of what you're talking about where I had to go in and dive in and like learn this thing, but like you're creating it. So it's different. So, but I had to learn it. And then I had to create the training and the SOPs and all of this for everybody else to be able to use. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I won't get into any more of it because I want to, I want to shift. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, I think it's funny and I don't, I don't even, this was just us starting to talk. So I I don't even know if we've, you've done your introduction to start the podcast or not, but like, I think the really great takeaway, like that, your story is an army story, a military government, you know, that's like three different things, military, government, army, like social media, third party, um, integrations, uh, all of that. Right. And then here I am on my side, technology, SaaS, um, IT, all of this. And so, I mean, I re- I literally could keep going and I could run out of fingers because I have the normal amount, 10, uh, for people who can't see me. And <laughs> I never assume anymore. And <laughs> and it's just crazy because you think about it and there's so many things that are relevant. And you would I would never think that your super fancy, shiny, uh, smexy uh, life over at the at the army and, and what you do would have any relation to what I I do in my nice cushy office, you know, office job. And I think so many people get stuck in their ways of this is what I do in my very specific box. And I know my box and there's nothing else. No one else's information is going to be relevant to me. And, and so, so I true. absolutely love it because, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I just learned a lot of things, like including where our president is or was in the last 24 hours, which <laughs> is bad. I should probably have some idea of where the G20 is hanging out, <laughs> but it's just should such you? a fun call out. Should I? <laughs> but it's just such a fun call out because like so much, so much information out there is relevant and can be slightly, you know, uh, created formed crafted into something that any of us can use i think that's 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 very true it's very and it's very it's a powerful realization that 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 is the case but what's missing so what a lot of people do is they focus on their their niche right and they're Mm -hmm. in it and so even so even when i was there and i was operating in that unit like I said, there was one iteration in, in our, before us, and our um, footprint, like we were in, so have you seen the show NCIS? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the headquarters, like smart building office that that's based out of like their, where like the people are like typing on their computers. That's based off of where I worked. Like that was, they actually came in and took pictures with us. We're like, Hey, it's oh. like the real NCIS. Hey. And so NCIS is, so I said like CID is the army's like federal investigation branch. Mm -hmm. So NCIS is that for the Navy. Um, And so CID, NCIS, uh, oh, the Air Force is going to be so mad. A-S-I-A-O-S. There's, yep, A-F, I don't know. So L-M-N-O-P, the end. Yep, it's the, yep, exactly. The Air Force has one too, is what I'm trying to say. And so we were all there together operating from a perspective of protection. So each one had our own assets, but the army had like the the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it was even, even there. So we brought in of the army, our footprint for protection was like seven people. And of those seven, there would be, like two working at a time kind of a thing. And so it was very, very, very small. But even with that, when we get everyone together, that's not including like 
DA civilians, whatever. Don't need to go crazy to the weeds. But so when we would get everyone together, it was really interesting because all of nobody had experience in this field. We were all intelligence analysts coming together from previous duty stations, all together in one place. And what was seen kind of across the board was a very, very strong hesitancy to embrace the mission um, uh, for legal reasons, because any intelligence practice conducted by the army or intelligence analysts in the army is illegal to be done on U.S. persons. And when we would collect social media data or any data on U.S. soil, which is, I mean, our bosses, the people we were protecting were traveling on U.S. soil at least 60% of the time. And so they're like, I'm not doing it. It wasn't even like, I don't understand. They're like, no, I'm not going to prison for your mission. And I ended up having to, I, I worked and the, the leadership worked with uh, like the legal, our legal team to come in and create like a form that says like, you're not going to be prosecuted legally. We promise. <laughs> yeah, It'll be okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, really like that kind of signature and sign off like that, that gave enough of room to, for, for the actual kind of like foot soldier to get in there and do the work. And so, but it was, there's even inside of there, like you had made a really good point that we get really closed off to like, I don't care about what you're doing. And it's not even that I don't care. It's just that it doesn't matter. And Mm -hmm. even within there that happens. So as you said, you could see across more like wider schisms, like military and the private sector, there's a very wide, there can be a very wide schism there. And it, but what that does, what any problem does, like, you know, what any problem does is it creates an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And what I think people right now, I feel like we are in a hyper specialized, a hyper niched world. Every advice from every single person that for any entrepreneurs, niche down, niche down, niche down, become a specialist. You are the expert. You are the expert. And they're saying it because there's value to that. You know, there's mm-hmm. value to the person who can, all you have to do in order to be an expert is speak to people who know less than you. And you are an mm-hmm. expert up to the level that you're an expert. And then and then really gracious experts hand people off to the next expert. Like, okay, maybe I could take you from zero to a million dollars uh, a year, but I don't know how to get you to 10, you know, but I know, I, I know, you know, I know Raina does, you know, and so then I'll move it over there. Uh, so I think, I think that that's, that's interesting. I think that what people miss though, is that you can actually build the skills to become a, a more effective communicator who ties those different things together, who like takes the needle, threads it, and then loops these niches together in a way Mm -hmm. that, that makes it like, Oh, I understand like the big picture of this. I understand how these interplay and, and there's actually opportunity here for, for either collaboration or even just mutual growth. Like let's learn from each other. Mm -hmm. What have you, what have you experienced of this in your, I guess, like, does this play a role in, in your entrepreneurism or in your 
the business side. Yes. I, you know, it's funny. So the one thing I talk about, one of the two major things I talk about is that holistic leadership. And I would not have gotten to the path of being a holistic leader if I hadn't got, become an expert in so many other fields first. So, you know, I do... Um, Obviously, I've been in I've been in leadership. I have I collect certifications for fun because I'm a lunatic, uh, but a good one. Um, and you know, so I have like Lean Six. I have my Lean Six black belt, uh, which is not karate. It's a um, you don't understand. I see you laughing, but the first <laughs> no, I get it. Is, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's <laughs> right? and so Lean is a uh, was originally a manufacturing process on how to um increase uh efficiency so it's reducing weight increase waste increasing efficiency and that right there was originally taken in a uh manufacturing setting and then people are like why are you getting a manufacturing certification and i'm like well i don't know about you but i could be more efficient in any situation thank you very much you don't think that those seven types of waste exist in other places besides your dirty production floor like Mm. Um, I'm kidding. Most production floors are fine, especially if they're lean because they're supposed to be clean, a place for everything and everything in their place. Um, but yeah, and then Six Sigma is quality. How do you reduce defects? Again, it started in a manufacturing aspect, but I don't know about you, but less defects, more quality kind of can be used in other places. And those, those principles right there, you know, I learned them originally in my MBA, and then I just held on to them. I had a green belt at the time. So, you know, in karate terms, that's definitely less than a black belt. Uh, and so I was just a little, you know, baby junior lean six person. And I was like, I know some concepts. And then I kind of grew. And as I wanted to become more of an expert, you know, I had some other higher level experts graciously give me some extra information and, and a new certification. And I really wish it did actually come with a black belt because I would love to just wear that and be like, no, no, it is karate. Um, I can karate chop you. Um, but sounds like I actually, there's an opening for a market there. Like you got to come right, up like, with your own version of a black belt. <laughs> um, but you know, it's funny because I actually had a green and a purple belt in two different styles of actual martial arts as a child. Hmm. Hey, so hey, she's a so, badass on multiple fronts. Come at it. Like, right. What are we doing? <laughs> so, you know, you think about that. I teach Zumba. I teach yoga. I'm certified in both of those. I mentor children and, and young adults. I shouldn't call them children. I call them children. I'm never, I'm never going to change. It's my authentic self. If you are younger than me or if you act younger than me, I'm going to call you a child. You could be 60 years old, but if you're doing something childish, I'm going to call you out for it. And so, you know, the point being like you, like your question, yes, I have taken so many facets of things, master of none, you know, I have enough information in 20 different categories that that's a who I am. And then that is significantly influenced how I act and what I do and how I'm successful because there, there is a very rare time when someone's saying, oh, I wonder, you know, can, can I get this done? Can I, and I'm like, oh, I, I can do that. I have skill in that. I, I can't, you know, I can't do everything IT does. I'm not a cyber cybersecurity professional, but I've built a couple computers in my day and I supported all physical IT work for my office when I ran that. So, 
you know, there's a skill, there's something and, and I can teach other people and say, hey, instead of calling IT, let's, let's try your basics. Let's, let's be more efficient about it. Instead of wasting time sitting on hold, let me teach you a few things that, you know, you can do or you can take home to your laptop or your tablet at home before you have to call uh, your service provider of, of choice. <laughs> like, you that know, so something that was something we had to train a mentality that we had to train folks mm -hmm. on staff in the military was like, Hey, and it was as simple as this. It really boiled down to one simple thought. And it was, what would you do if you were at home? Right. And, and that was, that made a, it made a world of difference with the amount there. Were, I think because there's like a, a disconnection between like, this isn't mine. I'm not messing mm -hmm. with it. Like this is, there's a system and like, they're the experts just bring them in. And again, it goes back to this kind of like expert mentality of like, we only need experts. We only rely on experts, which really just feels like, um, oh, what's, what's the expression? I'm going to need your help here. Uh, when you are giving your, your, uh, voluntarily giving up, uh, agency. Um, oh, uh shoot i don't know the term off the top of my head but i yeah. know i know what i know what it is yeah yeah there's Ooh. there it exists yeah. but that's the idea is like you're you're yeah. you're choosing you're choosing to give away your own agency yeah. because the, the there are purpose help, helplessness that right you're choosing yeah. to yeah um, yes. and you know it's funny so this is something that I, I love to make jokes. I, I have a very dark sense of humor. I, at one point in time, I'm probably, I should become a comedian. And honestly, it's on my list of things to do. It's probably like number 29 of all the things I've been told I should do because I have this ridiculously wide skill set. Um, but <laughs> I like to say that I make hyper independence look good because this this came from somewhere this need to know something or be able to help myself it came from my childhood my lack of support system and and so you know i i kid you not i will put together my own furniture like bookshelves i don't need no man i don't even need a second pair of hands because i do yoga i have feet and i will put it together myself dang it uh i just I'm just the my visual i'm getting right now is yeah, is no, you are whatever you're imagining is a hundred percent correct, guys. I mounted my own TV wall mount on the TV, and I did foot next to my face, holding the wall mount in with the power drill, getting that sucker in place, and just praying that I wasn't crooked because I couldn't hold a level two. So so you're saying yeah. you you do have limitations <laughs> yeah, yes yes we have to realize there are limitations but you know and and that is the other thing you know you can do a million things but there is there's a finite amount of skills and sometimes practice makes better and sometimes practice doesn't make better and it's just not in your wheelhouse and it's not something you're going to do i'm not going to practice like brain surgery there is too much practice in that i would have to take another 20 30 years to get good at that and i'm not going to that's not where i want to put my effort in but for the things that i can do i get a little bit better at it i mean with with my yoga practice you know i'm trying to think what else i can do mm -hmm. <laughs> you well, know curious. that isn't yoga like building yeah. furniture and... right no, no no well that that You're makes curious. me think yeah mm -hmm. so i actually just read an article 
that was about, I say I read. So I read the headline in the first two sentences. Let's be honest Thank about you. what yes. really I, happened. I, I noticed an article existed. <laughs> I, hey, oh, I'm using that forever. That is beautiful. So, okay. So I noticed this article that was about a, like multiple companies. I think it's in uh, Philadelphia that uh, multiple companies are coming together for a kind of a co-op, not for business, but for fitness. Mm-hmm. So they're literally bringing their people together for like a program. And I don't, so, and this is where like reading the article would have come in handy because I would understand, hopefully, theoretically, half the time when you do read the articles, you don't get this out of it anyway, but you would be able to understand why, what was the benefit of multiple well, of them coming together, was there some sort of like a uh, a discounted rate, you know, or or what, you know, what happens? At any rate, the point is that they, they showed the value in physical fitness. And that's something yes. that I've been on like my back burner when it comes to speaking about leadership and to leaders and to, and to organizations where I'm like, this is so big because I work from home. You know, I speak, I do podcasts, I do workshops, but like, you're you're in my office, right? And so <laughs> yep. on, on my door frame right there, I have the standard door frame pull up bar. bar, right? Of course I you have... do. Of course. I'm sorry, you said <laughs> army, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a bag. Oh, it's right there. It's got two yoga mats, it's got dumbbells. Like I like working out in physical fitness is a part of the system. There is a reason I can sustain energies because I think about how I fuel myself and I think Mm -hmm. about how I, how I engage my body and keep the blood flowing. All of this, I bring back to you with, with the integration, right? We're taking, we're taking Mm -hmm. the thread We're we're threading together these different components. You're talking, you speak on holistic leadership, which we need to know more about. And I want to know, does, does yoga or fitness find its way into those conversations or is that something that you are open to doing in the future? Yes. Yes. So let's talk holistic leadership. So it's mind, body, and spirit for the people that you lead, right? Holistic leadership. There's the whole three parts of the person. And then there's the last part is authentically doing the same thing for yourself. So I can't preach to you, be, you know, physically, be healthy, have a healthy body, have a healthy mind, do whatever. If I don't show you and bring that to the table myself, I have to do everything that I preach. Now, you said one thing that I do care to clarify just a smidge. You said, you know, um, or don't even clarify, uh, gently debate. So Let's you said, you know, physical it. fitness. Go. physical fitness to you you said that's really important you know like it's we need to have more physical activity especially if you have a desk job things like that and now I would say in a more sensitive light and as a holistic leader I don't want to push someone into physical fitness if that's not where they are so as their body as what I care for their body to be right you know people are overweight, people are sensitive, people, all sorts of things, yada, yada. But things I would say is I want you to make time for the body that you have. And, you know, maybe that is some physical fitness. Maybe it's the two, two workouts a day. Like I do, maybe it is that combination, but maybe for you, I'm more worried about you taking some time to have less stress at work because too high of a stressful work situation causes, you know, the increase in those stress home runs and that's going to break your body down. And that's going to also negatively affect you. So when I say, I want you to have a good, positive, holistic existence in your body, I don't mean you have to be physically fit. 
I would like you to be. In my personal opinion, I think that, you know, it helps reduce depression. It helps you, you know, feel better about yourself. It increases confidence. It, I agree that there's so many benefits to physical fitness, exercise, whatever we want to call it. But I do just want to say, like, that's not the first and or only step to having a healthy body. For so sure. Oh no, 100%. I don't so. I don't think that's even a pushback. I think we're we're very yeah. aligned. I'll push back just slightly on something you said. Uh-huh. Let's check okay. this out. Okay. And all, Do it. And all all it was is that you said it was your personal opinion that that physical fitness or like working out increases confidence, increases positive oh. hormones. It's not your opinion. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, the that's benefits fact. of physical fitness is yep. not, it, but the fact that I, I gently push it as sure. my preferred method, that's no, the no, no, preference. I'm with you. It's my I'm preferred method to do that. So no, thank you for clarifying because yes, that's not my opinion. That is scientific fact, yep. people. Because yep. <laughs> an and, expert that is an expert in a field that I am not said so. And yeah, that's you gosh darn too. I've heard enough experts in that field say it. And I've read enough studies where I, yeah, I feel stop, confident. Please stop telling me. I believe leave you. I'm also it. never going to run. Your people who run, I, I run from a lot of things, but what are you running from that you find enjoyment out of that? 5Ks, 10Ks, 20 What is wrong? Oh, no, I'm kidding. So, I'm- no, no, no. So, so check this out. I used to, before I got injured uh, on a jump, when I was a paratrooper, I was running. It, this was probably for a year, a year and a half. I was running six to seven days a week and each run. And this, this can be confirmed by everybody that I worked with and my ex-wife. Is this why she's an ex-wife? It probably didn't help. Um, But uh, I would run 13 miles uh, every day. And so uh, half marathon, half marathon, Uh, every day, six or seven days a week. And that, but that was good for you, right? That made you happy. It kept you. It was, it was my meditation time. Yeah, it was. And so it, 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 it actually ebbed and flowed. It was my, my meditation time to myself while being like, like physically exerting. So it was Mm -hmm. physical fitness too. Um, and then it was also, uh, I started incorporating and bouncing back and forth between silent runs and audible, uh, listening where I bring in, that's actually where I started listening to like podcasts. And that is where I got the inspiration for entrepreneurism, um, while I was still serving. And so like running changed my life in the most positive ways. And only one of those was from the actual running. It was from Mm -hmm. the utilization of the time. And it, and it was because it's like, this is me, like solely me time. It's like, it's not me as a dad. It's not me as a husband. It's not me as a, as a leader in the army. Uh, it's, it's just me. Like, what am I about? And when you're running for 13 miles, that's not like five minutes, you know, like you're out there, you're out there for a bit. You have some time to process some stuff. And so there was a lot of processing, but this, this, this adds to your point though, that when I got hurt when I herniated two discs in my lower back on a, on my 47th jump after that running wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. And that like the lack of physical fitness in that regard, like I became like all eggs in one basket. Like my fitness came from running. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd work out with the unit we had to. So we'd lift weights or we'd do like, you know, muscular strength and endurance stuff. But 
but I was devastated. Like I, my body got wrecked. My brain got wrecked. And it was because there wasn't a, like a diversification in how to gain that kind of mental clarity and that peace of mind outside of that activity. And so that mm -hmm. goes to your point of like, not everyone is there where they can like, let's get up and run. But just to be clear back on my point, uh, a little rebuttal. Uh, I don't, so I'm saying like, I've got dumbbells and I lift weights, like I work out. And so everyone needs to do that. Like when I'm, when I'm speaking about things that I do, it is 99% of the time, not prescriptive because I'll go crazy. Like I'll go, <laughs> when I went keto, when I got in shape after that going like that really bad downhill battle, um, I started doing keto and I started doing intermittent fasting, but it was really more like intermittent eating because I would only eat, I would have a four hour window to eat a day. 24. Yeah. Yes. And so it would be, I'm an 86. Yeah. And so, and I was, I was doing two a days. I was doing sauna. I was doing swimming. Yep. Um, and so like, yeah, I tell you what, I was crushing it. I would never prescribe that to somebody. Like I'd have like, and, and, Unless it's someone that's really trying to push themselves. If like you're, if you're there yeah. and you want to push it, like let's push, you know, but pushing, we were talking about limits earlier. Mm -hmm. Pushing is relative. Like you might be mm -hmm. 350 pounds overweight and like, you're like, no way, dude, go like, take oh. a break, walk the yeah. stairs, go down yeah. the stairs, go up the stairs. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's, that would be more of my prescription that not to say don't include physical fitness, I think mm -hmm. you have to, because like you're saying, if you're, if you want to incorporate time, um, to like decompress and, and, and not let those stress hormones build up from the workplace, taking the time. But I think that a real, a, a lesson learned from me, a way <laughs> is to incorporate physical fitness as a part of a lifestyle regimen. And I think that's what you're saying. And that's kind yeah. of what you, so so tell me more. I want I want to know more, more about your yeah. holistic so, leadership. So I think you know you you said it great. You said it absolutely fantastic. What works for you doesn't work for someone else. What works for me as a leader, I love my yoga. I love my I love my Zumba. I yoga, spinning, Zumba. Those are my top three, and I'm certified in two of them. So you can guess what's coming next. Um, <laughs> but for me, that works, and I will always help my people. And like, hey, do you want to do some yoga with me? Do you want, you know, uh, when I ran the insurance office, I was the office manager there. I had for the new year, the month of January. I'm like, if you don't want to go to a studio or a gym because it's January, I'm like let's do some here during lunch. I'll teach, I'll throw something, you know, let, let's do something. Um, I'll support that in another way. But the, the way I do it from being a holistic leader is I want to give you time and I want to give you space to be you. So is it running? Is it one flight of stairs? Is it whatever it is, whatever you find important that works for you, I want to give you the time and space and that psychological safety to have those opinions and then to express them to me. So, you know, hey, Reina, there's this uh, marathon that's happening on Friday. Would it be cool if I dip a little early so I could go get prepared for it? cool. I don't have to like running. I'm still, that's important to you. So I want to give you that time, space and grace to go do it. And it's so important that, you know, people realize we are not the same. We are not the same bodies just because I can put my own foot in my mouth figuratively and literally does not mean that you need to do that. You know? So the body aspect is 
minimizing the negative things to your team's bodies there like the stress and actual physical things like hey i'm not asking you to go lift 50 pounds and do craziness i want to actually keep that safety in mind and this comes back from when i was at the the fulfillment center i did see things that were not ideal not safe not whatever and it's like okay it's my job to make sure you leave here with all the fingers and toes you started with with the hopefully you know the same number of functioning discs and spinal pieces and whatever have you like i want when you're in my care when i'm your leader when i am the leader your safety your well-being your you are my responsibility and i'm going to make sure that you know it happens and that's why i'm not always your friend as in a holistic sense i want to be kind caring and whatever but sometimes i have to put my foot down and say no <laughs> you are not going to lift that 100 pound item on your own you're going to let someone help you you're going to wait and that's me putting my foot down, I'm going to lead by example, and I'm going to make sure that everyone knows I'm not going to yell at you if the job doesn't get done in the first 10 seconds because I want you to do it the right way. So that's that body, that body aspect. I want you to take care of it in the way that you see fit. But in my space, when I actively can influence something, I'm going to do what I can to make sure it's better. I almost... I mean, it's not almost, I do every once in a while call myself a momager because <laughs> I'm, when I'm a manager, I'm basically a mom. I make sure you're fed. I make sure you have what you need to get the job done. And I have to discipline you when you're bad. If that's not a mom, you tell me what it is, yep. you know? And so, <laughs> yes. Is there something you have to say to that? <laughs> no, no, I think that's great. I actually, I had a question. Um, yeah. So you had, you had mentioned that like a scenario where somebody would um, be interested in running a marathon. It could be anything, obviously, like mm -hmm. they're interested in doing something that's, that's bettering themselves uh, and that they're enthusiastic about, you know, mm -hmm. and as a, as a leader, you want to create time and space for those things. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, to the leaders out there or to let's let's be more real to the people out there who don't have those leaders how do we engage in a dialogue how do we begin the dialogue to be able to start moving into a space where this is this is like the the goal of the relationship between your supervisor yeah. and yourself for sure. So uh, I think there's a few parts to it. One is you have to build that relationship, right? You can't come, Matthew, you can't come to me on your second day and say, hey, I'm dipping next week because I have a marathon. Suck it. Uh, you can't do that. You, you, there. There is a time, space, and place for everything, right? So you have to make sure that we're following some of the norms, the professional norms and whatever. You have to build relationships before you can ask for favors, things like that, right? So the first thing is, be reasonable in your asks professionally and quite frankly personally be reasonable and, and this goes to being that authentic whole leader yourself too i'm i have to be reasonable in what i ask new employees i can't i shouldn't i don't want to ever come to you on your second day and say hey i need you to stay late and to give me an extra 10 hours this week 
right? Because I'm still trying to build that relationship with you. And I'm trying to set that baseline of like, I'm not going to be this demanding person. And oh, I should rephrase that. I'm not going to come to you on your second day and be like, you need to stay an extra 10, 15 hours this week because I don't care about you or your feelings. This is a job, right? That's not the type goes of- both ways. Yes, the relationship is a two-way street. That's why I say bring your whole self. You have to be an authentic whole person before you can help your other people become those authentic whole people. So it's being reasonable in in your asks and and you know understanding that it takes time to build a good relationship. And and there are things that you are reasonable to ask. Hey, I want to leave 10 minutes early. And and it's not a timed position, fine. 10 minutes, not a big deal. A whole afternoon, uh, I better know what's happening. Um, (laughs) Right? So that's the first thing. And then also, you know, again, with that two-way street thing, I found most times when I am, you know, starting to ask for favors or starting to ask for that wiggle room because of that, um, you know, because of the fact that I do think we're starting to go with a good relationship and I have a good boss or I have a good leader, you know, then it's, you know, making sure people know that it is a two-way street. So, hey, do you mind if I dip early on Friday because I want to go get prepared for this marathon? I've already completed my work or I only have a few extra hours that I need to do or I am... I know I'll, you know, I'll stay late on Thursday to make sure everything is done. So, you know, it's, it's making sure that you are giving as much as you are getting. In my case, I don't celebrate the holidays, right? I don't celebrate Christmas and I try not to celebrate drinking holidays. No New Year's, no St. Patrick's days. And like, just an example for my own company, like I, we, we're, offboarding a product we're getting we sold it and we will be wrapping up and closing closing it out uh at the end of the year and i mentioned to my boss i said hey i know we're wrapping up and it should be done i was like but remember i don't work i don't celebrate christmas i don't celebrate new year's so if you need someone to be here be on the phone or be available you know let me know because i'm here and it's not going to ruin my holiday to work over right so that's that's that two-way street. I'm there, I'm willing, I'm I'm part of the relationship. So I'm offering something and I'm asking for something. And it and it doesn't always have to be an equal exchange. It's not this for this, it's not tit for tat, it's just two-way street, right? And that should that should count in friendship, that should count in anything. You should never be the one giving a hundred percent of the time and getting nothing in return because that's called boundaries. <laughs> and you need to be very mindful about that, especially if you struggle with things like self-love and, you know, transcendence, you you do need to be very mindful of how many favors you give to people. You yeah, know, that can be, like that, that can be very, all back in together. <laughs> yeah, that can be very challenging for people. I, I've, I am definitely in this category of uh, people pleasing. Um, mm-hmm. And the boundaries very very quickly overrun you know and it's like oh well i couldn't do this for you because i was doing this for them and it's like well why were you like you barely even know them like yes but i felt inclined because that's what you do with people like (laughs) and so like like, no it's not it doesn't have to be what you do you can say no (laughs) you can say no oh and that's such an important thing one of the um professional soft skills classes that I have taught in the past was how to say no personally and professionally. And I love it. If you can see my face, I'm sure it's getting very animated and excited. Like I love 
encouraging people to have those boundaries. And there's a time and a way, right? You can't just tell your boss, hey, no, suck it. I don't like you, right? But you can say, hey, boss, um, I don't have enough bandwidth to do every single thing you've asked me to do because you've added on 27 extra tasks that are out of my job duties. Um, can you please prioritize these so I know which ones to knock out? Right. You're not yep. saying no, but you're still keeping that. You're not saying no directly, but you're keeping that boundary. And then you're saying no to those extra, you know, extra work hours or extra, extra things because you are you are taking control of your own life. One, you're doing so by by not usurping control from them either. You're putting mm -hmm. the ball back in their court and you're saying mm -hmm. like, listen, I, you're the boss. Like you're running the show. Yes. Like you tell you tell me what you want and like i can i have this many hours like there's and the the more prepared i think that's the thing that a lot of people uh can get wrong is that they enter into these types of conversations from an emotional place and it happens at a boiling point where it's mm -hmm. like you've gotten that 27th task outside of your core set of duties and responsibilities and you're saying I can't take it anymore because each one of these tasks was just like, okay, all right, that's fine. I can do that too. Okay. That's fine. All right. I can do that too. And when you say that 26 times, the 27th time, you're like, I'm not doing it. Like, listen, I can't do all this work. This is ridiculous. Like you get somebody else to help you. And then that I've seen that exact reaction. <laughs> And, and, and it and doesn't it depends produce on how reasonable your boss is because a reason yep. my boss would never have gotten a 27 over over asks my boss wouldn't have, would just never do that because at over ask three i'd be like what is happening what are you doing mm -hmm. and i i have an amazing relationship with my boss but i also have an amazing boss and that is something too because i have he doesn't use the term holistic leadership and he struggles a smidge um but like at the end of the day he's a good person he and he is not that that robot professional, everything has to be whatever way I have it in my mind. He's not one of those people. And so he has a lot more wiggle room when for him, I literally can just say, no, thank you. He'll be like, Raina, can you take on this extra task? I'm like, no, with what time I'm going to be teaching in Zumba in uh, Cancun. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Good, sir. Like, and he'll be like, oh, okay. He's like, when you get back in a month, I'm like, sure. Yeah, we could circle back in a month. We can talk, <laughs> you know, but that and and I think there's so many studies and that I think I know there are so many studies. There are so many scientists and experts out there at, that, you know, point out people aren't quitting their jobs. They're quitting their crappy, terrible managers, or they're running away from the horribly toxic and abusive work culture. This holistic leadership is how I'm pitching to corporations to keep their employees and how to be a better company in this new age where you just can't treat your people like straight up trash anymore. And people are quitting. People are quitting their bosses. People are quitting toxic work cultures. I already said all that. But like also there was a stupid article the other day. And I say it's stupid because I read, I, I noticed the article and then I read the first two sentences and died laughing. Uh, and then I was too curious because I knew we were having this conversation. And so I actually opened the article and went and found the actual study and the researching body because I wanted to see who wasted all that money. <sighs> and the article said, 
women in executive positions are leaving companies and corporations to go to other corporations that treat them better. <laughs> right? And like right. I said, I, it was an actual Kinsey research <laughs> study that was done. People spent money and time on this. And That's I sit there laughing cheap. because we know this, right? Right, Matthew? We know it's, this. It's it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing stuff. I'm really glad that there's research to back up this these thoughts. Otherwise, you know, they may be disregarded <laughs> as not serious. But they are disregarded. They're, they're yeah. disregarded very often because no one wants to actually have those hard conversations. But as we're as we're moving towards a more employee-focused work structure, work environment, and we also have to deal with uh, Generation Z joining our workforce and Generation Z has no chill. I don't think we're going to have a two-week notice much longer because you're mean to a Generation Z. You're you're one of those rude, nasty leaders that won't take no for an answer and that people have to tiptoe around. So you're not a holistic leader and you're not listening to me and my advice on how to be a decent human being. Um, and those, those kids are just leaving. They're not even texting. They might. They're going to be nice and text their boss that they're not showing up ever again. Yeah, we ghosting, need to work, work ghosting. Yeah, work ghosting. I wonder, how do you think that that plays in with um, like unique brands, unique positions? Uh, uh, do you think that they are temporarily or in some degree outside of that effect of Gen Z? Like I think of like, think about like Apple or like Google, you know, and getting a position with them, uh, what Twitter used to be, um, you know, like with all of the perks and the, the title that's like, I am, it doesn't matter for this company. Like, and it's like, you're not, I don't define myself as this. I don't define myself as me. I, de I define myself as this, this for here. Do you think yeah. Gen Z is like out, like they don't care about those companies or... So the research is still very new on it. I, I am working on my dissertation right now. I'm getting a doctorate in organizational leadership and innovation. And my dissertation is on managing a multi-generational remote workforce. So when I say I've read research and I've done some studying and, re, you know, searching of myself, I actually have. Like, I, I, am, I am not an expert, but I can say I've at least read some credible sources. And most of them have been approved by, you know, my dissertation committee and my professors as, oh, yeah, you got this from a legitimate source. So right now, there is a lack of information on the Gen Zs. So we can have the general idea, they don't have nearly as much patience, they don't have any loyalty whatsoever. And I don't blame them. They've never, they've never had a situation where loyalty has um, benefited them. They just haven't. And so um, with that being said, I personally think you have, a, you have, brand people you have people who love to brag about where they work and all that and and so i don't think that's going to go away i don't think that google overnight is just going to stop being some big heavy hitter and a big player in the market but what i do think is that 
the Googles of the world and the Apples and whatever are going to start lacking good talent. And no offense, but once our boomers leave the work environment, someone has to replace them and it's going to be Gen Z. And if Gen Z doesn't give two week notices and Gen Z doesn't care about your feelings, giant corporation, I don't care how big of a corporation you are, you're not going to get the employees that you want to get. It's just not going to happen. And you see a lot of that with millennials too. Millennials, my generation, we don't quite believe in loyalty either. We will stick around and we, we put up with a lot more toxic abuse and a lot more toxic, you know, work environments because we didn't have a choice. A lot of us started working, um, during the recession, a lot of us have had a little bit of trauma going back and forth in that work environment. So we put up with more, but the tenure, the longevity of, of working for a company, it used to be 20, 30 years. I laugh. People have worked at their companies for longer than I've been in the workforce. And I can't, it blows my mind. I'm 30. I just turned 30, but I mean, I, I'm doing pretty well and pretty decent for myself, but I, to this day, have never stayed at a company for more than three years. And I have never in my entire professional career taken an internal promotion. Wow. Never. And I'm not the only millennial who can say that. And I'm only, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> Because right now, the reason I don't take internal promotions is because you can keep your 10%. You're, if I'm lucky, you're going to give me a 10% raise. More likely, it's probably a 5% raise and 50% more work. But I can go take my skills. I can take what I've learned from you. Again, circling back to I can take that knowledge and do anything in any place. And then I can go get myself a twenty dollars or $30,000 increase at another company. And I never search for a job that long because I kind of know what I'm doing because I search for jobs so often. And I also will quit leaders, bosses. I give a company six months to a year to impress me. And if they haven't, then I'm out. And that's the company and that's my manager. If I cannot stand my manager, I give it six months because I want to make sure I'm not being sensitive. I want to make sure they weren't having a bad day. I want to give that manager time and effort uh, to build that relationship, right? That two-way street. But if you prove to me it's not a two-way street, I don't need you. <laughs> and so that's also why I do the holistic leadership on my side, because I don't want people leaving me. I don't want them judging me in six months and then deeming I'm not worth sticking around for. And so that's why I've put my effort and my professional speaking career, you know, into that path of how do I, how do I make better leaders, the ones you're not quitting, the ones that do convince you to stick around, the ones that convince you to take a 30% pay cut, because you just love the company and you love your boss so much that you know, they're supporting you in your other facets of your life. I'm talking about my current situation. And I really did take a pretty penny of a pay cut to be here. And I'm not going to change it. They have me for two more years. They've earned that right because they've proven to me, my boss has proven to me, he cares about me, mind, body, and spirit. And so it's worth it. It's not all about the money. And I think Gen Z, it's the same thing. It's not all about the money. Millennials, it's not all about the money. And boomers, it's not all about the money. There's studies that show those compensations, those loyalty benefits, all of that matters. But nothing can be given to you that will outweigh a bad boss unless it's a really high number that will very much likely not be given to you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it definitely goes into, um, I always end up finding myself uh, reverting back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, that for a very long time, we've been operating or companies have been operating off of the, the bottom two rungs of the ladder, the bottom two portions of the, of the pyramid being, you know, physiological, uh, needs and then safety and security. And so basically mm-hmm. like when you get a job, you could count on the fact that you were going to get enough money to be able to provide those two functions. Yeah. Your level of belonging and esteem and, okay. you know, like, it's just, it's not, it's not to say that it didn't exist or it wasn't possible. It's just, it wasn't like you didn't go into the workforce thinking that's what I'm going to get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Except for the older, the the um, older baby boomers that have pensions and they have that company loyalty because they did go in there thinking they were going to have a sense of belonging, and they do. They stay there because they feel like that's their company and they belong there. But things shift. There, it's cyclical. Sometimes the power is in the employee's hands, and sometimes it's in the employer's hands. And I think we're seeing that shift again, where it is not the power is not to the employer right now. It's slow. It's a very slow push, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a return of pensions and we saw other things that companies were doing to try to keep millennials and Gen Zs at the company and keep them, you know, in one place for a little bit longer than that one year, three years. I I don't remember what the average is, but I think the average millennial stays at a company for two to three years. Like I'm not that far out of the norm. Because at that point, the power was all on the employer's side. And, you know, well, before the, you know, that, um, sorry, before that number decreased so greatly, before it used to be 15, 20 years was your tenure and your average, and then it dropped. But I think that's because too much power went to the employers and they started taking and taking and taking away. It's like a game of Jenga. How much can you take away before it all falls apart? And I think we're at that it all fell apart part. And we'll see what happens and we'll see how much that do you think that employees, the, the talent market is already overreaching or is likely to be overreaching in the same game on their side? I don't understand the question. Do you think the employees are asking for too much? That's what I'm asking you. I'm asking if like, if you (laughs) think that like the, the demands, the reason Mm-hmm. And by demands, I don't mean like outright they're saying this is what I want. I'm saying like the the way that they're acting like through attrition mm-hmm. um, and job hopping, do you think that their demands not being met, like what would it take to meet them? And are those reasonable? It's two very <laughs> it, like easy questions to ask, uh, lengthy <laughs> answers to give. Yes. But so what do you, what do you think's out there? Like what could, so I think about the, let me tie in one last component and you can just give me a response generally to all of sure. it. Um, with, so I'm, I'm also a millennial. I am like, I am dead center, like right in the middle. Like I'm like the exact middle. I used to think I was an older one and I was like, oh, turns out I'm not. I'm like, I'm the exact. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 35, but uh, so I, I, my work experience started before the recession, but man, I, jo- I joined the army because of the recession. Like that was the <laughs> reason why I ended up joining. But uh, what do you think the impact 
on corporations and organizations. I mean, you're you're talking about holistic leadership and and skills and and that leaders can take on or or strategies and philosophies that leadership can take to help retain their talent. But you're saying millennials are leaving anyway. So so well, what, no, but millennials I'm not saying, like, are leaving. Right, millennials because that are leaving doesn't because exist. of the bad managers and because it doesn't exist. Right. If you have a good leader, a good manager, those millennials would stick around. You as think long so? As you pay them enough. I think so because you know, millennials, the things millennials want is a positive work environment. Holistic leadership would help create that. They want to have time. They want a work-life balance. Holistic leadership covers that. I'm giving you time and space and the safety to have your opinions and do what you want to do. So they want, yeah. And that's, I, I definitely think that if we fixed our leadership and we fixed the general um, vibe, culture, whatever the heck you want to call it, I do see, I do see that being a fix. I, I would like I said, I will stick around if I'm being respected, if I'm being respected and paid well and have time to have a life. I'm fine. I'm golden. You can we can stick around. You want to you want to throw in a four day work week there? You'll get you'll probably get every millennial out there because that's that work life balance. That's giving them that time to be themselves. And we. We work. 40 to 50 hours a week, right? We being every single person who has a full-time job of sorts, right? The assumption is that you're going to work 40 to 50 hours a week. And if you count, I'm not counting drive time anymore because I don't think commutes are a thing. I'm joking. I know they're a thing. They're very, there are very wonderful people who work in jobs that cannot be done remotely. Um, But you do have to consider that. Consider that get ready time or the the working commute time. So you have to add a little bit of extra work focus time, right? So call it 60 hours total. If, If you're working, if you're working salary, if you're working over those eight to fives, or if you have to be physically go somewhere, whatever it is. So you think about that, that takes up 10 hours of your day. And then assuming you're sleeping, right? That's 18 hours. And then that leaves you six hours of time. That's not half. That's not anything. That's like, we don't have time to have a life, right? We being everyone who is a full-time working person. So I can't spend my time hating my job. I can't spend more than a third of my waking hours or more than half of my waking hours being miserable, you know? And, and so I also tell people, and I, this is part of my mentoring, don't get a job that you hate. Don't, go into something that's just going to give you money because there's more to life than money. Like there's all these things that you can do aside from being a leader, you know, and having a good boss that you can do for yourself. And that falls under the self-confidence, self-love creation, being a holistic person is being in a place that you want to be in. Or if you don't love your job that you can at least tolerate, tolerate reasonably, you know, and there's so much to it. If you do the math on it, uh, working out for one hour a day is 5% of your day. That's what I'm asking for my employees. That's what I'm asking for my friends. I'm asking for every single person I talk to when I'm trying to help them re- create that logic or logical self um, confidence. 5%, 70 minutes of your day, I'm asking for you to give to you. Now, if we had companies, that also had that same mindset of, hey, let me give you that 5% of your day to do that. Let me not make you hate yourself for half of your waking hours. Let's 
let's do this and work together to make capitalistic society and there can be profits and people can be rich and people can have everything that they want within reason and we could also have a decent working environment and you could have decent bosses and you could have jobs that you want to stay at for more than six months to a year it's not impossible i think it's very very uh reasonable actually if you ask of of all the things i could be asking for i don't think i'm asking for that much no, no, I agree. I agree. I um, but I does do, that answer your question? <laughs> no, I, I think it's. There? I think it's whether or not it answers it. I think it's a great point. Um, and I think it's. I think it definitely knocks on the door of truth. Um, but it does so. I always. Uh, I always have to like. I don't know. I feel bad and somewhat neglectful whenever I'm having these conversations, because it's always a specific part of the workforce that we're talking about. Like it can't be everybody. We need people to, to pick up trash. We need people to run utilities, you know, like we, we need some people to do. And, and those. So thinking about it, thinking like live on the spot, stream of consciousness, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like you could, you could do, you can definitely build in, and I don't know the schedule of like the workday schedule of, of like uh, waste management, but I could definitely see flexibility being a huge part of that role, depending on what the requirements are, you know, and I, I've seen, I've seen some really, really cool strategies around um, even like high priority, uh, like jobs, like working at an airport. I was reading mm -hmm. this study that talked about they, they would look they actually observe like the up, uh, the high op tempo times, and they're like, okay, well, let's let's have somebody work like potentially maybe like six hours today, but it's not going to be straight line. So they're like, you're, we need you to come in from like eight to ten, and then take off, and then we need you back here at like five. You know, so you're running like kind of like a split day, and like mm -hmm. you have this flexibility to go do you on the outside, but. Yep. I think that you touched on something really important and it's something that I really, really, really want businesses to think about and to start promoting. And it's using your business. Like don't, don't get this. This is like mixing authoritarianism mm -hmm. with, with, with like, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see. I want your feedback. So I, I want businesses to like, to uh, promote the wellness right? I don't, I don't want them to just give space for it. And so I think the balance here is like, it's not a requirement that you go to Rana's yoga class at 1030 in the morning, you know, like, but that's there and it's happening. And my expect, like, I don't have an expectation that you're working during that time. Like you could go mm -hmm. do, maybe we'll have a couple of different classes set up and now that could be like costly and you can look at all these different strategies. Like I could bring people into train, same thing as everything else. I could look at training from within or I could bring somebody in this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. um, but, but more of that, more, more looking of how businesses can be a part, become a part of a well-fulfilled life. Again, going beyond those, like I even, I, so the army does this, the military does this in a really cool way that makes it hard to get out. And one of the things they do with the finances is they say, okay, here's your base pay. 
or your rank and your time in service, right? And every two years you get a raise based on time in service. And whenever you get promoted, you also get a raise. It's very cool. It's not very much, but what is a lot is they give you a basic allowance for housing or BAH. So mm-hmm. when I lived near DC, I got like $2,500 a month to live, to be like, nice. Hey man, it's expensive. Like you got to buy a house or like rent a house. And that's there. Like I get for the GI bill as a service member who got out, I get to, my school now is free. So it's being paid for by the, the GI bill. And they give an equivalent of a BAH, it's called MHA monthly uh, housing allowance. And for uh, Long Island, where I'm at right now, it's like $4,100 a month. Right? Like, But you're being taken care of. But but here's, but the thing is, it's not just that you're being taken care of. It's that you're categorically being taken care of. They're not saying, hey, you get you know, like, like while you're in, they're not saying like, okay, you're in Virginia. And so like you get $7,000 a month, you know, like um, it's, Hey, you get 3000 for your base pay. You get this for hazardous duty pay. You get this for that. And they chunk it and they chunk it specifically. And so one businesses that are widespread could totally adopt that like Mm -hmm. same exact thing. Like, Hey, your base pay is going to be this, but this is going to be that. I I saw this one. This is what made me think about it. I noticed an article that was <laughs> that I I love it, dude. It's so cool. It's if so you perfect. take nothing else away from this, you got one new <laughs> one new thing to add to your to your repertoire of describing articles. That's uh, so right. Yes, you noticed an article. It was, it talked about, and this is what I actually did read. I just really liked the notice article thing, but uh, it, it talked about how companies were, were bringing in, uh, were doing this in other ways in ways that I hadn't heard of because everything was every topic in this, uh, in this area of conversation is always the same. It's always childcare. It's always childcare. It's like, okay. And which obviously is super important and it needs to be discussed, but it leaves out a whole segment of the the populace the employee populace that's like doesn't really apply you know like and so what do we do for them uh right exactly and so well and it, it, you think about and then you think about people whose kids are older and they're self-sustaining like that's i'm that's where i'm at like i have kids they're in the house i don't need child care like they could even be like latchkey kids you know like uh and some sometimes they are <laughs> so but uh but other things that that people that companies have started to offer are things like house cleaning and landscaping mm-hmm. you know oh, and it's like or like yeah. a membership to a gym you know and just like they're not saying hey here's more money with more money you'll be more happy they're saying it's like a gift card it's you know like hey here's more money for this thing you know like yep. you can get your house clean and so now now you're not there like oh man, I got this brand new TV, but like, and so when I get home, I get to like watch the game, but like, shoot, when I get home, I actually have to like, I, it's, it's the weekend and I've got to clean. Oh man, I got to rake all the leaves. Dude, the amount of leaves here is absurd. <laughs> I've never dealt with so many leaves in my life and I've lived in country places. I can't tell you. So like the amount of time, my wife and I did it for like three days straight and got 20% of it done. So six and, hours of your day that you're awake. Exactly. Cleaning it, it and up. leaves. And the, yeah, no, you're, you're describing a ton of things that people have to do. You're not getting six hours of time to yourself. 
especially if you have children, you know, latchkey kids do kind of need to be fed sometimes. So you're making an absolutely fantastic call out and that a more positive work environment would allow for those things and would, you know, definitely, I, I see that being the direction that companies who want to survive are going to have to go. They're going to have to, it's not about giving a cereal and snacks during lunchtime. And we, like you mentioned, we can't all work from home. We have so many other important jobs. And I, I talk corporate and I talk about, you know, leadership and how you can be a personal better leader and how you can train better leaders because this is a what I know and b it's what I live I I can help one person be a better leader I can help a group of people be a better leader but I can't force a corporation to be a better corporation I'm not there yet I don't have the clout I don't have the skills I don't have the experience yet give me and my army a few years, I will circle back to this topic of how to build holistic companies. That's probably the next step. But those are things that are absolutely fantastic and definitely important to think about because it goes into that, okay, you have six hours of time, assuming I'm not overworking you and underappreciating you and all of that stuff. You have six hours of that time. What can I do to give you more of that time back? Exactly. Is it paying for after school activities? So, you know, your children don't have to be constantly watched and entertained. Is it that cleaning service? That's a fantastic one. I, through my insurance right now, I have Active and Fit, and it's a it's a gym membership company that lets me, I, I spend $25 a month plus tax, and I get access to any gym on their network, which since I change cities every month is amazing for me. And it would be even more amazing if it was $0 a month because my company paid for it because now I'm gallivanting across the US learning and seeing and doing and I don't have to worry about paying for a gym membership because the company has put me in touch with all the ones that I already have. I have 13 gym. I was I was going to hold my hands. I don't have 13 fingers. I don't know what I was thinking there. But I have I have right? Hold on. I'm wearing socks or I would. Um <laughs> But I have 13 gym memberships so because it's so important to me to have that access to that physical fitness, to those classes, to whatever. But then if you told me, hey, your company is just going to take care of that. I'm listening. Right. I am listening because my company cares about my physical well-being. I'm listening because my company is trying to free up some of that free time that I have. Or not Think free about time, communicating. but Think about using that. I wonder if there's a way that companies could use that as a communication model. Like instead of saying like in a job posting that, hey, we're going to give you like, obviously, like, you know, the job you're going to is we're looking to fill is going to pay this much. Right. Like we were talking yeah. about the military, like base pay. Yes, we need to, but, we need to know that. Don't also right, side note, and I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Stop posting jobs without pay, salary ranges, stop doing it. It's the 21st century. You can tell me how much you're making because this really isn't a game. I'm not negotiating with you, not starting the number. Go on. No, that's a good point. I actually saw all these articles about pay transparency and the, the impact mm -hmm. of pay transparency in the workplace. I'm like, what? What would the impact? I didn't even read them because I was so turned off by the whole conversation, just in the <laughs> yeah. sense of what, why? Like, I, I, the only thing that I could think of 
why people would not want pay transparency is because it's going to highlight how much money that they're making in their position versus other people in the same position that aren't making as much. And they feel like that's going to be a threat to how much money they make. Like, do you think that you're going to get a demotion in pay because your pay becomes transparent? Because if you do, if that's your concern, your concern should be about the value that you're providing to your company and not to that. Because if you're, if you're like, Hey, listen, yeah, we work the same job and I make this amount, but look at what I do. I'm not worried about my position. I'm I'm confident in what I provide because I make this many sales. I do, you know, I I book this many meetings with executives from other companies where we do collaborations. You know what? You're so funny because that's not how I look at it at all. I look at it and if someone else is making a ridiculous amount more than me, I'm leaving. The the conversation is you aren't paying me enough. That's what pay transparency is. And that to me is the concern about it is that companies won't be able to manipulate you and push you into sticking around and to seeing things. I've also seen examples where let's say you have a developer in your company that's making a hundred. And then if you have to have pay transparency, the job posting is going to show that all new developers make 150. It's causing problems for companies because now there's going to be more, there's going to be less opportunities to manipulate the the salary ranges based Got on it. what's convenient. It. It's not about no, people that makes at sense. all. That makes yeah. sense. So I, I can see what you're saying. And like you do sometimes need to justify a higher pay, but the chances you having to justify a higher pay is probably less likely than the chances of you getting underpaid. Right. No, no, no. I, that's what I mean is like that one person justifying there's against the seven people in yeah. their position, their adjacent positions who are making less than them. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, that's also, again, what do you provide? And for sure, if it's that, if it's one person is so much higher than all the others, then that's different. That's not the standard market, but I don't see that being the pay transparency issue, mm-hmm. but neither right. of us have read this article. So no, 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 you're, <laughs> no, I think that your point was, uh, was a great take on it. That was a great, it was a great look at the, the real justification for the concern that companies and, have. And as a leader though, holistic leadership, mind, body, spirit, I want to pay you what you're worth, but I also want to tell you, Hey, I know we're underpaying you. So let me, ch- if, if I have, you know, the flexibility, I'm going to fight for you to get a, a raise. I did that for one of my own people. I told her, uh, I was like, I'm not leaving this company until I get your promotion signed. I'm getting you a promotion. I'm getting you a pay raise. And then I'm putting in my two week notice because I don't want to be here, but I know no one else is going to fight for you and you mm-hmm. deserve it so much. I'm going to stick around and get this handled. True story. Like that's she'll one tell of those you, ways that you, you build. It yeah. That's one of the ways that you build. Yeah trust and rapport. And that's one of the things that people miss. Like a lot of people get very concerned about uh, firings, obviously, like you don't want to be the person who's firing, but even as a holistic leader, I I have a, I have a perspective on this, but before I give mine, I want to hear yours as, as a manager who has to let somebody go. um, What is your, what is the holistic leadership approach to, to this situation? I mean, I think the biggest thing is it's never a surprise. I will never surprise fire someone. If I am firing you, you know what you have done and you know it's coming. That there is no way around that because for as kind and and uh, positive and bubbly that I am, I fired six people in one day. They all knew it was coming and I they weren't even my employees. 
<laughs> but oh boy, they knew what they did. They knew they went six weeks without hitting rate. They knew they weren't doing the job. Their attendance was poor. Their rate was poor. They had write-ups and write-ups and write-ups. And then their manager, who was not doing them any favors, wouldn't fire them. And he he just wouldn't do the paperwork and he wouldn't push it through and he wouldn't get with HR and finish the job because he liked them. And he mm -hmm. was, you know, and I'm like, you're dragging down the rest of your team. You're dragging down the rest of my team. And so he went on vacation. <laughs> and when he came back, he's like, I haven't seen so-and-so in a day or two. Where are they? And I'm like, oh, you should check your roster because I handled some business because you couldn't. But, and that's not to say that I enjoy firing people. And it's just, a, it's a funny story because it was just situationally. But again, those people had six weeks of poor performance. And then they had an extra three weeks of bonus time where they weren't fired, but they should have been. And so all of that to say, you know, make sure there's conversations, make sure you put that effort in to help employees get better. Like, hey, you're struggling with X, Y, and Z. What can we do to get you better? Are you putting the effort in? Because I will fight computers and corporate and GMs. I will, I earn the nickname Steamroller Reina because I have no chill and I will fight for my people. I will fight for people that aren't directly reporting to me if I know that they've put the effort in and they're trying and there's progress, right? But at the end of the day, if it comes time to fire you, you know it's coming and I did my best and you have done something either to make it worse, to make the situation worse, or you're just not progressing and I've given you enough heads up and notice like, all right, listen, I'm going to give you three more weeks We've, we've had that communication because I think it's respectful. It's it's the right thing to do. These are humans. They're people. These are people who might have children at home. These are There's so many things to think about. So I never want it to be a surprise. I'm never going to pop in one day, roll out of bed on the wrong side, be in a mad boot and be like, hey, I've decided I hate your face. Please leave. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like that. So I'm pro firing people but I am not pro surprise firing people. I like it. I think that's good. One of the things that I think that is very helpful um, in regards to uh, managers that are getting ready to fire people and, and, and especially those who are like, uh, like the other manager, like your co-manager that was actually responsible for them, the people who have a hard time um, embracing those uncomfortable moments mm -hmm. is by looking at what you can do to support that person in the transitionary process and being mm -hmm. willing to say, and, and this probably applies most to um, organizational strategic firings versus like performance-based firings. Mm -hmm. But even so, what you, you can really do that, that kind of end of work performance management, you know, assessment and say, listen, this is what you do really well. Like, I appreciate like when you're here, <laughs> when you do show up on time and when you are working, the way you communicate with customers is fantastic. Like your close rates or whatever are great. You just didn't show up, you know? And so like, you like use these as like, when you're going in, like, this is what you should highlight. Like you should highlight, like when I'm communicating, like I am really good at closing this. Like, these are the things that you're great at. And just like, just so you know, like 
obviously, you know, the reasons why we have to let you go is because of X, Y, and Z. So those are the areas that need improvement. So if you want to sustain employment, like I'll be happy to give you a recommendation Mm -hmm. when you, when you acknowledge that these are the shortcomings and I'm not going to lie to the person like, Hey, listen, they had these shortcomings, but I had a, I had a, a meeting with them. You know, I had a, I had a post work like session with them and they acknowledged their shortcomings and, and they acknowledged that, that they're going to in the next job, they're looking to start over and start new. Like I'm willing to do that. And so being, putting yourself in a position that says like, I want to be a part of your growth and development, even mm-hmm. as you leave, I think that can make a really big difference too. And that could be said about corporations too, right? The number of corporations that don't have past exit interviews after after the employee has actually left is astronomical. And the studies show that those are helpful. If you can catch an employee after they've calmed down and they're not fuming and they're not, you know, half-assing their job because they only have two weeks left and they did it because it's a professional responsible thing to do, but they're not going to actually work for those two weeks. There's, there's a lot to be said and a lot of benefits that you can get from circling back and talking to them a month or two months later and saying, Hey, okay, now that we parted ways, talk to us. Why did you leave? Whatever. And it, and it's typically better that it's not the direct manager because if they're quitting their direct manager, they're not going to tell their direct manager anything. They're going to say, don't talk to me. Um, but if you can get a little higher and then do something with that information, you can you can get a lot from that. And and to your point, being a manager that is, has built such a good relationship that even after firing someone, they still talk to you. You know, and they still allow you to talk to, you know, future employers and they don't pretend that you don't exist because I certainly have had a few managers that I pretend don't exist. I'm like, oh, no, I definitely self-managed. There is no one to call for reference. Um, You know, if you are that kind of person, that just shows that you do really have that holistic leadership and that connection and that two-way relationship that people feel like they could still circle back and say, oh, hey, you know, or you talked about their skill sets. You're so good at communicating and all this, but oh my gosh, your rate is terrible because you are slower than molasses rolling downhill in winter. So they can go find a job that has their skill set. They can go into customer service or they could do something less physical. And that you could support wholeheartedly and say, yes, they would have the skill set to do that really well. And I don't think you have to wait to get rid of an employee to have that conversation of what's next. You shouldn't. And this is a perfect example of why I adore my current boss. Um, he, We had someone give our give their two-week notice on the help desk team. Nothing wrong. He just, he had this really great opportunity and it was going to be a good step for him into the right direction. Yay. So happy for that guy. And so my boss comes and he's like, all right, guys, so-and-so left us no more work for you and he's like because we're offboarding that product we are going to see a decrease in some of the needs of the help desk so he said we don't plan on replacing that person yet and he said but if him not being here is causing you to work overtime or stress too much or whatever he's like let me know this all normal boss conversations were like fine right but then He goes on to say, he says, hey, I want to take this opportunity to tell you guys, 
I want you to grow either with the company or without this company. He's like, I know this isn't going to be any of your end jobs. And he said, so I want to tell you, it's okay for you to come talk to me if you're starting the process or if a really good opportunity comes up. He's like, I can help you. I'll help you in any way I can. He's like, I'm happy to give references. He's like, you give me the heads up and not only can I help you, but then I can also plan a little bit better. So that way the rest of the team isn't going to struggle when you leave us for something bigger, better, more amazing. And so he took the time to just have that conversation and because he is actually a decent leader, we believe him. <laughs> we don't think he's lying to our faces about that. And so, you know, I, it was just a great example of how you handle the fact that nothing is permanent. You don't have that guarantee that all 12 of your employees are going to be in that exact same place and time for the rest of forever. And so it was just a great conversation and I just, it's a most the most relevant and recent example that I could tell you about, you know, a good example of of having those larger conversations. I think which, it's a, oh, go ahead. Nope. Oh, I was just gonna say, which you can't have if you, you know, don't have that mindset of, you know, your people are more than just employees in that one job description. Yeah, I think so. I've become a really big fan of the idea um, of being like the the winning the award for the best supporting actor or actress, mm -hmm. especially as a leader, you know, operating as you're going back to the whole like servant leadership thing. Like I, you're there to serve people like through your position in leadership. And I think that that is probably like the, perhaps the pinnacle It's like either falling on your sword for somebody to keep their job because you know that, yeah, they messed up super bad, but it's, it's, they're more of a benefit to the company through their development and growth through this or through your active coaching of somebody else to get another job, you know, mm -hmm. like to, mm -hmm. to put yourself in that position to say like, I have like, I don't think you guys realize like, I've been doing this job for a while and I'm, I'm at a certain level where I commiserate with a lot of other people, you know, <laughs> at this level. If you're interested in getting a position somewhere else, doing something else, I bet you I know somebody. And I bet you if yeah. I don't know somebody, I bet you the people I know know somebody. And mm -hmm. so like this is like let's let's do it together. You know, like mm -hmm. let me be and so but you have to kind of earn just you said it so perfectly. You have to earn that role. You can't just step in and be like I am the best supporting actor in your movie. <laughs> yes. No, I don't know you. You hired me. That's wonderful. So my question to you then is without having like a significant um, event to be able to use at your disposal, uh, how do you develop trust over time with, with, from a leader and a manager? Because in the military, like it's, it, the military is simply an example of how trust is built in uh how, how how do you say this statistically you probably got this better than i do so in an inverted relationship a negative correlation with uh time like less based trust on over the more amount time? based on the amount of stress so it's like ah. stress is super high time is super low you know stress is super low time is super high. 
right? So like, if we're not, if we're not going through the thick of it together and I don't know how you act when nobody knows what's going on and it is the peak stress, you know, then like if, if we're in that, then I get to see it. I don't just like go off of your word of previous experiences. I'm like, I know you're going to stand up and shoot. I know you're going to cover fire for me while I move to my mm-hmm. next position. I know you're going to have my back while we missed sales for like the third quarter in a row. You know, like I, I know how you're going to respond because we've been through it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so in lieu of that, you know, like what are, what are some best practices that you think that leaders can use to sustain this for, for their employees? Like, over over time so first call out um people have trust in two different ways and so your job and honestly this works across the board i don't care if you're a leader i don't care if you're a person talking to someone at the grocery store this is every single person there are two personality types one that automatically trust you it's an innate trust they trust everyone or they they're just i'm gonna say you know what matt i believe you i trust you you can tell me you're gonna show up on time you're gonna tell me we're meeting at 10 o'clock central time and i'm gonna trust that you're gonna be there uh (laughs) you know so there's there's those people that have that innate trust automatically that is their personality type there are also people who don't trust innately. And I am one of those people. I I literally, again, part of my dark humor, um, a little child abuse goes a long way. Um, I don't have trust. I do not. I introduce myself and I say, I have commitment and trust issues. Hi, I'm Raina. Um, But you have those other people for whatever reason. And it might not be some kind of horribly dark, traumatic experience. It just might be their personality. It might be however they live their lives that do not trust at all. They will be respectful, but they don't believe you. They don't believe anything that you say. They, you say 10 o'clock and I'm like, you know what? Most people don't ever show up on time. So it's not a big deal. And I know, I know, I actually do not hold this against you because quite frankly, I was having internet issues this morning. And so I was very happy that we had to push this to 1030, but you have those two different people. And as a leader, you have to be mindful of that because sometimes the things that you do are really good for the people that automatically trust, but you have to put more work into people that don't. And the better you are at your interpersonal intelligence and at your at your emotional intelligence, the better you are in those things, the quicker and easier it will be for you to realize which personality type you're dealing with. So that's the first thing. Figure out who you're dealing with and what you're trying to do. And Aside from that, though, your, your general basics, your step-by-steps, do what you say, say what you do, mean it all, keep your promises. It's like, think about a child. If you're building a relationship with a child, you have to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you lunch, and you're, you get to decide where we're going to go. And then when you show up and you say, I'm taking you to pizza because I decided I want pizza. You have just ruined that child's trust in you because you have promised something and you're not delivering. So in the same way, as a manager, I'm gonna say, hey, I really wanna help connect with you. So we're gonna have one-on-one meetings once a week so we can get to know each other and I can support you as you're onboarding into the company. But then if you don't show up to our one weekly meeting, I'm going to think you don't care about me or everything else is a higher priority. So make those relationship building efforts, make those things a priority, and then adjust to who you're building that relationship with. So say what you say, 
do what you say you're going to do, mean what you say, and have that have that openness to have honest conversations. And again, part of being holistic, a holistic leader, you have to bring something to the table. You have to say, what did you do this weekend? Oh, that's cool. You, you celebrated Diwali. Does that mean you're a Hindu? Does that mean that those are things that are important to you? No, you randomly celebrated a holiday, but you don't celebrate all the other Hindu holidays. Cool. So what does that mean? What can I take away from this? So that conversation that I had the other day, like the things that mattered, <laughs> you know, I don't celebrate your basic holidays, but I like to celebrate a lot of other ones based on what I've learned and the cultures I've been immersed in and all of that. So takeaways for a boss of mine could be, okay, she doesn't celebrate Christmas, but I bet there's something else in that area that she might find important. So how can I bring something to the table, right? It's a 10 minute conversation, but it means so much to me. And then you have that opportunity for an honest conversation and for that, for a relationship to build. And then you also have to say the same thing. Hey, I'm actually going to dip out early today as the boss because I really find this marathon to be my favorite and I've run it six times in a row. Now I know, oh, sometimes we can make exceptions. Sometimes we can, you know, do stuff. My boss has been there and he is shown up to all our meetings and he's done all this stuff. And so now he's taking some time away from following the commitment he made to me because there's something else that is a different priority. And I've learned so much from that. Is, does that make sense? It's, oh, it's, it really does. No, I think, I think one of the, one of the underlying, and tell me if I'm totally off base with this, I think an mm -hmm. underlining uh, idea or concept here is the usage of cues. So I think that what we do often is we're sending, we're always sending communication. We're always communicating mm -hmm. and we're always receiving communications. Uh, we do it through our dress. We do it through our verbal communication, our body language, how we choose to uh, use space, how we choose to use time, um, mm -hmm. which I apologize. I will say uh, regarding the time I did, I did want to say this right off the bat before we even started recording is I was I, in my head. I'm like, what am I going to tell her? Why am I, am I going to tell her why I was late? And, and, and no, because like, I, I, I have a genuine call for, uh, honesty and transparency. And so, mm -hmm. so, you know, this is what happened. <laughs> what ha happened was what? Yeah. So, her civilian. I thought that was a purely military phrase. That's beautiful. What? I no. love it. Oh, no, goodness. thank you. So I Matthew. learned, I learned you taught me. I appreciate it. <laughs> so what happened was <laughs> I, I, I needed a haircut like plain and simple as I, I needed to get my haircut. But so I showed up, there was a, I, I left like an hour and a half before our call. <laughs> and I go, I go to the barbershop. It's five minutes away. And I sit down. He lets me sit there for 15 minutes before he comes up and says, Oh, Hey, we're booked up on appointments. Did you have an appointment? And I'm like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I suppose, I guess I should have asked, but yeah. so I left, I went to another spot, sat there, same, almost same exact thing. Other, except for you, I asked him, I was like, do you, are you open for walk-ins? And he was mm -hmm. like, yeah, except yeah. he didn't speak. He just looked at me. He's like, I'm like, okay, can I, can I, can I go next? And there was only one, it was one barber, one dude getting his haircut and then me. And I was like, he was like, like, okay. So, <laughs> Possible language barrier. I don't think so. Cause uh -huh. I think I heard him speak to the guy who was, he was cutting his hair from. So I sit down another 15 minutes, 
and I look over. I don't know if he's cut a hair or <laughs> or a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't look like much progress. So I so I dip and I leave. And as I'm going, I was like, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna be sloppy. And I and I like it's it's important to me. To, it's so funny because I had I had competing uh, messages that I wanted to send to you about how I value this time that we're spending. One is through showing up on time, which I did not do because I was trying to show you that I valued a time by being professionally presentable and like fully prepared and ready for the call. And so those got conflicted and the momentum had already started. I was out and the haircut yep. started because then I was walking to the car and there was a salon that I was there. And I, was, I just like, maybe the ladies will cut my hair. So I go in and I was they like, would. And they, and they did, and they did a really, they did wonderful. They were so kind and it was such an amazing great. experience. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what's so fantastic about this. See, so something like that, owning up to it is how you build that trust and you move forward. If you had lied and been like, oh, I was in this really important work meeting and whatever, like in this situation, I wouldn't have known better. It w- really wouldn't. But in, in a work situation, there's only so many times you can lie to someone's face before they figure it out. Right. Yep. And so, you know, that, that, being honest, being open, not only does that make you a person, like you're an actual person on the other side of the screen. I'm not talking to a robot. And those are things that I respect it because you had conflict. There were two things you wanted to do, make a good impression, look all, you know, um, presentable. I got a haircut yesterday. So it looks I, wonderful. I, I know. See, you had planned accordingly. <laughs> I even told my wife that that's what I was going to do. And then yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's so funny, but that's, that's the point, right? That we are all humans. We're people. And back to, I'm building an army of overly confident and kind people. The point is you need that kindness. You need to have that kind of humanistic qualities because at some point being in the capitalistic society that we are, we kind of lose that sometimes. I have a job, I have a duty, but I am a person. And oh my goodness, sometimes if I go on this hilarious, uh, very traumatizing haircut scenario, like third time, third time's the charm, please. I just want to get this done because it would be funny, except I'm running late to a meeting. And, you know, it's just it's hilarious and I find it amusing and I didn't, I didn't take any offense to it. If you did it to me multiple times, I kind of like, brah, like get your shit together. Um, (laughs) But you know, it's awesome that we can have an honest conversation and, and in turn, you know, since you showed your humanistic side, if you were my leader in the future, when I do something dumb, I'm sorry, I might have set my alarm clock to eight o'clock, but I forgot about the two hour time difference and should have sent it for six o'clock. And this is why I missed my client meeting and me meeting with you. (laughs) Totally didn't happen. Um, (laughs) This is completely theoretical. (laughs) Theoretically speaking, you know, but that would be more likely instead of being like, oh, I had internet troubles and I swear Mm -hmm. I was there. You guys just Mm -hmm. couldn't hear me, you know, so having that honesty and building that relationship has to start somewhere. And like you said, it's the cues. It's, it's, do you, do you follow through on what you say you're going to do? Do you make me feel bad when something bad has happened? Or do you make me feel like there is a path on how to fix it? When it's, you know? Yeah. I think like looking, like you said, at the cues, like the vulnerability is a cue. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so when you, you can use that as a, as a method to communicate 
something. And so then you're mm-hmm. communicating, you're communicating that it's okay to, to be a real human, just like you said. And then you have like, I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about like preparing for running for the marathon and, and like doing that as a cue when you're, so when you, if you're just showing up to an organization, one, I think it's very important to show up even in the interviews to say, this is who I am. And I have these things going on. Like I have, like I'm currently in a job or I'm not. And because of my current situation, I plan a vacation with my family to go down to Panama, you know, like, so be aware. That's the way that I always phrase it whenever I've done job interviews. And I actually do, I do a lot of job interviews now almost for fun, like almost to go in and just like, and a lot of it's like research based on like the things that I, I talk about because I want to know the hiring practices of these people. I'll get hired and then I'll leave. Like, I'm sure they really appreciate that. They you have do. just ruined yeah. the hiring manager's day, but I love it because I also do the same thing. I went out and applied <laughs> for jobs and then told my boss, I'm like, by the way, I just turned down three interviews last week just because I wanted to see if my resume was still good um, yep. and attracting people. I'm not leaving, but just know I could. <laughs> just know I got, I got I got the resources. I'm still yes. viable. And, and I didn't even <laughs> update my resume from the last time I went job searching. So just can you remember? remember to appreciate me and my boss went he's like do I not appreciate he's like did I miss something are you are you telling is this a hint I was like what no, no yeah it's like ah. yeah but like, like but when you so when you think about that and like who you are as a person going into like you have things going on like you know, like your life didn't start the day you started there right and it's important and- to communicate that and then, and but I'm then not additionally, to be an admin person, I don't want to tell yeah. you why I want the job. I can tell you I am going to be good at it. Um, yep. I actually did hiring. I've hired a ton of people, and I am equally the worst person to be interviewed by and the best person to be interviewed by. And my poor, poor children that I have um, given some good life lessons to along the way. <laughs> I had two fresh out or one was one semester away from graduating fresh outs of of their undergrad. So these must have been 21 year olds, uh, 22 year olds, and they were uh, applying to an admin position that I had. And the first girl, she's she's answering her questions. I'm answer. I ask a question. Tell me about yourself. And she she's not reading an answer, but you know when a kid is the answer memorized because they're like, I've prepared for this, and yes. th- and she had every single line. And now that I looked at her and I was like, okay, now tell me an actual answer that you <laughs> didn't prepare three months in advance. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> every thing and everybody and every book and every expert told me that this yes. is what I was supposed to do. I am not and prepared. This is what to say. Yes. Oh my gosh. And she even the one, both of them actually, both of these children told me they're like, we went through a course um yep. and professionalism class on how to interview. And I'm like, cool, but I know every answer you're gonna say, and that mm-hmm. does me no good. Mm-hmm. So let's try this again who are you? Tell me about yourself. Um, and so the one girl, you know, she, that, that was the one and she was like, okay, she's like, I can do this. And she, <laughs> she, she, 
<laughs> but it's just so funny because in this case, I was trying to give them an opportunity yep. to actually show me who they are. So that way I could decide if they were a good fit for the job, the role, the company. And it's not because rejecting one of them made them any worth any less. They're not worthless. They're not bad. They're not stupid. They're, they, it was just that it wouldn't be a good fit for them at that time in that role. And mm -hmm. I think we need to spend more time being actually open and honest in the interview process, because then maybe my tenure would be more than an average of two years. If you right. tell me up front that you are not a nice person, but you're very reasonable in the job and I know what the job's gonna be and you're gonna pay me well for it. I can decide for myself if I'm gonna do that. But if you pretend to be a good person and you pretend to care about the things that I said and whatever, and then I show up and a month in, you're like, I don't care about your schooling. I don't care that you're working on a dissertation. Work these 80 hour work weeks. I'm not even giving you six months. I'm out. I'm not dealing with that. I'm better. I, I have more resources. So that's such a great, that's such a great thing to consider. Like when you're in there and there are ways to craft questions that, that elicit those answers, but it's timing is so important. Mm -hmm. like, usually I, okay. That's, that's not the right word. Depending on the job, there are multiple levels of interviews, right? Like, so there mm -hmm. might be one in the beginning, maybe you're even part of a group and they're just like, they are mass hiring. They're looking to fill 17 roles. And so they're, they're looking at like 400 people. And so mm -hmm. they're doing batches of like five to 10. And like, okay, from there, you didn't sound like a complete worthless garbage piece of crap that, you know, mm -hmm. showed up to the remote call in sweatpants. Cool. You mm -hmm. made it to the next round. Like, and so- but as you work your way through, one, you have to know, you have to be aware of what the interview process is and, and part of the communication. In, it's not like they show up. It's not like you apply for a job and they're like, and we're interviewing you. And it's like, no, this communication that happens. And so be aware and ask like, what's the, and normally they'll just tell you, they're like, Hey, we're going to interview you here. And then if everything goes right, then we'll do this again over there. That's not normally. You're lucky if that's normal. That's been every interview experience that I've had since I got out of the army. Um, I love that. So I love cool. that for you. I love <laughs> that for you that you know what the interview process is ahead of time and that it's been reasonable. There mm -hmm. is an entire two Reddit subgroups that will definitely um, argue with you on that one. The internet has said, no, that's not how it works. Really? I very rarely know what's happening um, in, in all of the places I have. Yeah. So I love that for you. I love so, that that's your experience. But but part of it, the point is that to ask, to ask mm -hmm. in the process, like when they communicate with you, like, hey, we're interested in interviewing you, ask them like, oh, that's great. Is this, is this a part of a series of interviews? Because that helps you with the timing that we were talking about. Because yep. you, What's you my want, expectations? Right. Because then yep. like, I, if, if there's two interviews, if there's any more than one interview, I'm going to hold back my this is the way that I view it. First interview, they're interviewing me. Second mm -hmm. interview, I'm interviewing them. And yes. so that's yes. your time to craft those questions based off the exact thing that you just said. Like just use as, as an example, like the schooling. My education is super important to me, huge priority. It must yep. be considered with this mm -hmm. position. So you can I ask them like, that. right, exactly. Yeah. So you can ask, you can say, do you support, like, I'm doing this. These are the time requirements. Um, will the schedule match? Like, 
Mm-hmm. Are you able to support, if the schedule doesn't match, are you able to support a little bit of flexibility with me in that time? And they would say, of course, like you're great. Cause they've already hired you. You've made it through uh-huh. round one. Right. And they've so, already decided they like you. Right. Right. And so like, you're already on your way in. And so, so I think that another, like a follow-up question that I was like, oh, that's re- like, that's so good to hear because I really like you guys too. I think that this may be a great opportunity um, do you have anybody else there who's like, who's also a student? Like, how are, like, how are they getting along? Do they see like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and look for past instances of that. Look for like, oh, like, and they might respond. Like, we have a system. Like when you're a student, like you work, you're on this schedule. And so mm-hmm. like, you're not going to go and like, and then, and if they ask you questions like, okay, well, when's your, when are your classes and stuff like that? And they're willing to get a little bit in the weeds with you. Like, okay, well, your workday does, it actually ends at three. And so if you have like afternoon classes, like then that's fine. And, and, you know, or, or you're entirely task-based. Like, so I don't care. Like you need to get A, B, C, and D done by Friday. And Mm -hmm. so I don't care. Like, are you going to- It's on you. It's your responsibility. Exactly. Can you do school and do this for us? Ball back in your court. And then genuinely answer. Like, maybe you can. Or or I need to think about it is an answer, too. Oh. Because that's one, too, that so many children, children, college-age <laughs> students, and, and quite frankly, people who aren't in this new generation or the um, new era of the work environment, the asking for time seems to be this crazy, scary thing. And quite frankly, if a company is not willing to give me time to think, it's not a company I want to work for. Because if they're not going to give me time before I'm employed for them, and when I owe them my time and my my intelligence and my uh, job duties, what are how are they going to be when I actually work there? If they're not going to give me the grace space and time that I need ahead of time before I work there and I'm on payroll and they own me for those 40 hours a week, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I I will not. That That is an instant thing. Sometimes when they say, you need to make a decision if you want this job within the next 24 hours, even if I know I want the job, I'll type back, hey, can I have till the end of the week? And if they say no, bye. I don't have time yeah. for this. I don't have time for you to be over controlling and micromanaging and so in your own world that you think nothing in my life matters. Maybe I have three more job offers coming and I'm going to decide. Maybe I have so much going on because I actually still work a full-time job and I don't have time to read the contract that you've sent over. And why are you sending me over a 20 page contract that I have to read, agree to and sign and send back in the next 24 hours? It's a two-way street. I'm not street. playing your time hack games. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not playing I'm not, your games. Yeah. Right. And and that's the thing that I encourage people to do, especially with setting boundaries and caring about the worth that you are bringing to the table and that holistic leadership and that aspect. As a boss, as a hiring manager, I would never ask that of someone else because I don't want it to be asked of me. I'm going to do a complete like 180 <laughs> topic change. <laughs> because that was such a powerful statement. We, where do we go from that? Right? No, it's great. Like I've, well, I, just, I feel like we really did a great job as far as like the hiring and like employee, like mm-hmm. introduction process and the kind of philosophies mm-hmm. that even employees need to take, especially when we're thinking about, I, I think of everybody as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. And so taking holistic leadership over yourself in that regard is 
is following exactly what we said, you know, or like the, the philosophy of it. So you are a force of nature. Like you are like your personality is strong and you know what, you know, you know what you don't know. And you're not afraid to say both. Like, which is, it's just, it's huge. It's, it's, it shows it's, it's ever, it's, it's great. I love it. You know, it's, it's great to talk with people like this, but I, I always have a question for these type of personalities. Mm-hmm. One for you, was this, is this, is this permanent Reina? Was this like day you were far back as you can remember, like, this is you, or was there like, was there a growth period where like my, the way that I am interacting with the world no longer serves me and I need to change. I need to change the way that I'm interacting to get the type of the life and the results in my desired end state, my sense of fulfillment. I need to change the way I'm acting in order to get there. Okay, great question. So the answer is yes (laughs) to both. (laughs) So I was adopted. Um, three years old, I actually came from an orphanage in India and this is relevant. Give me a second. And so my parents, a lovely, nice white couple from Cleveland, Ohio, they had a catalog. This was the nineties. The internet didn't exist. You, you didn't just go on the internet and pick out an orphan. It wasn't swiping right or left on orphans. Um, there was a catalog where you picked out your child and, and, and I, I don't know what's with- worse. <laughs> Neither. The fact is, it's absolutely fantastic because it's a way for children who are in need to find parents and loving homes, hopefully loving homes that, you know, have taken the time to get them. And you don't just get, it's not Amazon. You can't actually just click the buy now button. There is a process. And my parents decided to go through the entire process and have a foreign, um, you know, adoption and whatever. And so jokes aside, though, the reason I mentioned this catalog and I normally don't get into this dark humor this early in this kind of podcast, but the reason I mentioned the catalog is because my father flipping through this catalog finds a toddler with the smirk of a lifetime, sassy and powerful and ridiculous, not a smile, not whatever, smirk. And he looks at that and he goes, that's my kid. Send me that one. <laughs> and so this is a so story. So it's there. I- so it's. <laughs> so it started very young. Uh, and it was part of my innate personality. And before I was adopted, like literally the very first interaction my parents had with me was was a picture of me being snarky. Uh, <laughs> and so, and I came over and I'm bubbly. I'm super energetic. I am sassy beyond all reason. And so that innate personality. But I will say that as I grew up and had a bunch of different issues and, you know, I, I ended up, I don't have parents. I don't have a family that I support or rely on. I am the weird one. I'm always the weird one. And it did, it kind of, it, it was really bad. I mean, I got beat down. Like I, I'm like, why do I have to always be the weird one? Why can't I just be the one that fits in? Why am I the pedal on the metaphor for the being the only person with this skill set or this thought process? Why am I? And it was tough. It really was. And so I did spend some of my time trying to be more conforming and maybe a little less me. And I spent a lot of time doing that. And I, I also 
I say I grew into confidence issues and I grew into love ish, self love issues. And I mean, I said it on Dr. Dan's podcast, but there was a point in my time I did not want to exist. Like I apologized for not just being me, for being. And then it took some time and I had to work and I had to fix myself. And I had to, you know, find ways of coping with the dark times. And I had to find ways to, you know, decide which part of my personality, you know, I can't be strong and aggressive all the time. And that's fair and understandable. So I learned that. I learned there's a time and a place to kind of chill out. And there's a time and a place to be supportive. And there's there's a time and a place to bring out Steamroller Reina and fuck some shit up. There, <laughs> and so as I got older, you know, I kind of, I healed. I fixed myself. I to some degree, there's always, you're always going to have some of those little issues in the background. Um, but then, so version 2.0, I am bigger, I'm better, I'm stronger. And I learned, I learned what I don't know. And I learned to ask for help, not ask for help. I don't take help, but I learned how to find help. <laughs> I don't ask for anything. I learned where to find help and I learned how to be better. And I learned how to build my own bookshelves and how to look and investigate my own doctoral universities and how to be a functioning member of society and not even functioning. I am excelling and I am so good. And it is because I went through such a dark place and such a hard time and I had to help myself and I had to be the person that I needed because there was no one there to do it, guide me, tell me. There was no expert that was like, hey, if you want to be a functioning human that doesn't want to jump off a cliff, uh, I got something for you. <laughs> and so I decided, and this started actually a lot younger, I decided once I learned something, I'm going to be that person for someone else. I'm going to be that person someone needed when they need it. So, you know, I started college and I was helping everyone else because I started college a little early. I'm like, this is how I went through the college process. This is how I pick something out. This is how I go through the interview process. This is how I get five job offers and I get to pick which one. This is how I decide my worth. This is what I can do. This is how I'm a leader with the best rates and no turnover and absolutely killing it compared to my not competition, my peers, my competition, because I'm better. And this is how I'm doing it. So this is how I can help you now in the moment when you need it. So started off being my personality. I struggled a little bit and now I'm doing it again, but better. I like that. I like that a lot. Because it's all about growing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, not, not, seeing who you are in your personality as like like this is like it is the answer like and it's not something that stands in the way but it's but i think the the real big takeaway is that there are so many people that go through that and that don't that may find themselves in a status quo coping level mm -hmm. where they're like i'm doing enough where like i've got a job yep. maybe i've got a spouse surviving you know like and things are going but it's like you lost yourself somewhere along the way like there are bits and pieces and maybe even when those come out you get even like the look from the people like you're weird uh -huh. <laughs> i am like, I am weird. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. And it does get frustrating. And quite frankly, I'll tell you, this is something I struggle with now, Matthew. I struggle with the fact that I am still one of those floating, unique, 
you know, puddles. I am an island. I, I live and I meet so many people and I live a very normal to me life, which is apparently not normal. Um, and I do struggle with that. Like, I'm like, where are the people? How are there not more people? Like, and, and so I think the point is to also tell people, like, it's okay to be yourself, even if, you know, there's that little bit of struggle. Like, I'm not going to change who I am. I can't. I can't change some of the core things that I do or feel or believe. That's just who I am. And it's okay, even if you do feel like an island sometimes. And the biggest thing is to reach out to people and say, I'm feeling so sad because here I am as this island and I don't, I don't know what to do with this because I don't have anyone else to talk to about this. And then that's how I end up finding I found some amazing support groups online. I found my people, my very tiny island people. Um, apparently it's not a desert island. We just needed some internet. <laughs> we needed to find each other. And so that's the thing too. This is my personality and this is how I do things, but it's not the right answer. There is no right answer. It's your life. It's not my life. I don't have to live it. It's your life. And so you need to find the things that matter to you. You need to find people that can relate to what you relate to. I'm straight, so I can empathize and give help to people of my, you know, my friends that are of the LGBT community, but I can also say, like, I haven't lived that, so I can't give you personal advice, but I can say, I know someone who might be able to help you, or I know there's this support group on the internet, or I know there's these things, and so, you know, that's the takeaway, too, and this is something I think the older generations haven't had the benefit of this new support and this new mindset, but I really hope we keep going in that direction where we can have these serious conversations and we can say, okay, I can't support you, but let's find someone or something or somewhere that can. And I want people to be who they are, not who society tells them to be, not who their parents tell them they had to be, but who they want to be on the inside at that moment, because then they can also grow. And if they decide 10 years from now, that's not who they are anymore. Okay, it's your prerogative to change your mind. Let's do this again. Let's figure out your new people. Let's figure out your new community, your new group, your new support, your new hobbies, your new whatever. Life is too short to not find the things that make you happy and prioritize them. And as a leader and as a manager, it is not my job to tell you what you think is important. It's my job to get the job done. It's my job to make sure the company is seeing their numbers and all of that crap. But at the end of the day, again, holistically, I don't want to tell you who you need to be. I don't want to tell you how you have to be. I just need to make sure the job gets done from the management side and the rest of it. I want to help you be you. speechless what do you do what do you do from there that's (laughs) this is the way you know like that's uh that's beautiful uh i can't go ahead no i i i um it's me this is this is who i am this is what i bring and so i think i i mean you knew you knew what you were getting when you asked for me to come here (laughs) i had an idea (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> no and I, I i appreciate it i think it's extremely valuable i i i will say that of of the interviews i've done of as of late i love that this one had no start like, oh, <laughs> like it was it, it, the second that we hopped on the call it was go time 
And so it was. I mean, but we were just having an intelligent conversation that just happened to be worth recording. I think that that's going to be the case. <laughs> it's going to be the case. I think it's no surprise for you. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time um, and being able to like pick your brain. And it's so funny. I, I put this out into the universe today. Um, it was no, excuse me. It was last night. I remember I got done working. It was probably like seven or eight o'clock and I was walking out and I was like, man, I really want not like a confrontational conversation. And it had nothing to do with you and nothing to do with like this. It had to do with like, I want, I want ideas to get pushed. I want the things that I'm saying. I want, I want pushback and I want to push somebody and I want it to happen organically. Um, I, I want to see that in this show, you know, in, in what we're bringing because through pushing, we're, we're testing limits because you're, you're also checking depth of understanding and, and knowledge and experience and where you're willing to say like, oh, I don't know, maybe that's a good idea or maybe not, you know, like, and that's, I feel like we were able to at least start tapping into that direction today. Like you did a great job of, of being clear in your points, being willing to, to meet in the middle, like for some back and forth and to push me on ideas. Like I, I came into some things with a perspective and then you would brought up a point and I'm like, that's a that's better. <laughs> that's so that's that's the point of speech and talking in these conversations is to like really flesh out like this is these are the best ideas. Like we just worked together to distill mm-hmm. out some really good ideas that didn't have that wouldn't have happened if you were just talking, wouldn't have happened if I was just talking, but we did it together. And so and that is what collaboration is about. And we can collaborate and across genres you mean you bring your military and your government perspective and then i have my homegrown orphan perspective and and i'm kidding but we have all of these different perspectives we have different lives and you and i are only five years apart we're very similar in age so i almost think it would make more sense too for us maybe to have like a second conversation if we do a part two of this and bring in either someone older or younger to see if we can get a little bit more on that that thought diversity because you and i you said you started right before the recession in the job market and then i technically started right after the recovery of the job market so we have different experiences and i love that But what about someone who was already working for 20 years before that recession? I bet they had a different idea or a different concept of how things work. And also, if you like confrontation, adding those other adding those other elements or, you know, different different uh, thoughts and and that sort of thing, as long as you're having a conversation with an open mind, those can be some amazing conversations. Don't be a devil's advocate just to be a jerk. But if you can do it in a respectful way, there is a lot of growth that can be had from it. And yeah. so I love it. I love I love the pushback and that I didn't just sit here and it wasn't the Raina show for the last <laughs> couple of, you know, I was going to say minutes, but obviously this has been way more than minutes. Um, but no, I just I love the interaction and you're just super easy to talk to. So I can see that you've you're probably doing pretty darn good on your own over there. You just have to decide, you know, if you're going to take any of those jobs you interview just to have fun interviewing and you're gonna you have world is your oyster matthew you can you can do what you want and you're just gonna take us along with with you for the ride and you're gonna tell us all about it on your podcast yep 
Yep. That's the plan. That's the plan. It's just learning and growing. You know, if I find the, if, if that's the thing, I, I don't, I think a big perspective shift for me was actually, uh, was, was focusing on entrepreneurism in the sense that mm-hmm. like all boundaries disappeared. Like, and what I mean is like, I, I would go into school thinking I'm going to school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to work. And now I'm spending time with my family, mm-hmm. but being an entrepreneur, it like changed all that because it, it shifted it. And it doesn't have to be entrepreneur. It's starting your own business. Like everything has a purpose now. Like everything can be drawn in like your brain. It's I've heard comedians do this. I've heard writers do this. And I think that I'm, I'm doing it from like a speaker podcasting perspective of every experience that I'm having in life, like gets vetted back through the perspective of the mission that I'm trying to pursue Mm -hmm. professionally. And so I can see like, Oh, my conversation with my kids, like one of them's not really responding, you know? And like the, why, why are they closing down? Like, this is a really interesting managerial question. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if somebody's closing down, like what's the cause how did that happen? How do we get here? And so like all, all of it. And just like in school is no longer, I'm, I'm taking these classes. It's like, I'm in the class. What can I extract from this class that Mm -hmm. adds value to my business? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you get to that point, I don't know, it changes for, for people that are anxious or don't like, don't like school, which is the silliest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. I get not liking the structure maybe, you know, but like not liking learning. That's crazy. Like don't get a degree, but go to college, like audit some courses, find the one like, Oh, that one I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak. There's a, there's a public speaking class. There's a communications class. There's a, there's a collaboration, but like, there's so many, there are so many ways to expand what you're doing and to promote that. And I think that that goes back to something that you were saying, just in regards to uh, helping others, like being a a point of resource and value for other people um, in in a community where, especially like when you needed help. So like you get through on the other side and you're like, oh, I'm not just a struggling artist or a starving artist. I'm not just a struggle. Like I'm starting to see some success. How can I turn around and like help the people that I just left or the people that are now entering into that space um, to integrate and be part of that community. I went on right. for like a much longer ending tangent <laughs> for this show than possible, but I want to well, leave it in your hands to like, to close it out. If you have any last sentiments, ideas, just like this needs to be said, you know, like yes. the floor is this yours. This needs to be said. The floor is mine. Thank you. First off, and I hate the fact this is at the end, but it's because we didn't get to do the little intro. Is it Matt or Matthew? What is your Matthew. preference? Matthew. Matthew. Okay. Because yep. the, the thing behind you says Matt. And I was like, I thought it was Matthew. And then, um, but anyways, so Matthew, the, the major takeaways is, you know, Again, I'm building an army of overly confident and kind people. And so for that, you need to have confidence. And that's it's not a problem no matter what your confidence level is. It's just that you deserve, it's worth taking the time and you, anyone deserves happiness. Like that's it. And however you get there. And there is no person alive that I can think of to this day that doesn't deserve to have a voice and that doesn't deserve to have, you know, space. And, and to take it up. So if you need to hear that, if anyone out there needs to hear that, like you deserve to take up space, you deserve to be happy, you deserve to be safe. Those are all super important things. And 
you know, take the time for yourself to build towards that. It doesn't have to be now. It's not going to happen overnight, but you take the time. You deserve the time to, you know, find a place where you find meaning and you're happy to be around. And then the other part of that is we, people who are in positions of expertise or have platforms to talk about or have leadership abilities, we have the duty to help and to make more better, happier, healthier, safer, kind humans. We are in this together. Life kind of sucks, but we can make it work. We, we can make it work. And so, you know, that's that. Those are my closing thoughts. And, you know, be better, do better. That's the motto I live by. And I'm hoping that I can get a few more people to do the same thing. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And absolutely, I'd love to have you back. I'd actually love to create like a panel, but with something that we can discuss offline and, and navigating the future course and how we can continue to help people. I love it. Thank love you so it. much. Yeah. No, thank you so much, Matthew. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're lucky this is my technique. <laughs> You're lucky this is my technique. And I actually... Oops. Where is oh, there's the mic. You're lucky this is my technique and I actually know it and you making me pause my train of thought didn't just cause me to lose what I was about to say, mister. Hmm. See, I knew I knew your level of rock star exceeded the awkward pause that was required to get here. Oh, now that was smooth. All you right. See? All right. I'm going to give you just a golf clap on that one. But what I was saying is, you know, sometimes I, the original thought, if we're, since we're recording this was, you know, I, my nickname's Steamroller Reina and I am very good at it when I do it, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Steamroller Reina doesn't come out to play. And you know, you talked about the same thing. Sometimes you are this force of nature and this absolute powerhouse. And other times you're just not memorable and no, no one noticed you were in the room. And sometimes those two things are not aligning at the right place in space. And so what I was saying is with my technique, the self-confidence and self-love creation through, um, you know, actual effort and creation, whatever. Um, and the first of my steps, my acronym is LOVES, L-O-V-E-S. And what the world needs now is more loves. Haha, <laughs> it's actually what you need. And um, the first, the L is logic because our brains, humans are not logical. And so what we need to do and what I have is different techniques on how to drag logic, sometimes kicking and screaming, into the conversation, into the thought process. So the very first one and the first logic-based thing that I always tell everyone is when that voice in your head is being a snarky <laughs> when they're being awful, when that bully is happening, you have to stop and you apply logic and it is whose voice is it? Is it me? Is this something I have done to myself? Am I being self-critical or is it somewhere else? Did I hear someone in society say this? Is it my mother? Who is saying the voice? Because that helps you identify 
okay, how do I address this? Where, and, and if that voice is myself, then not only do I have to address this now, but I need to address how it happened in the first place. If the voice is my mother, I need to address the current situation with logic, but then I also need to go back and address the root cause. I need to use logic now, but also in the future to actually solve the problem rather than just the symptom that's happening right now. And then from there, who is the voice? And then let's think this, if it wasn't me, let's look at it from an objective, logical, logical place. So it, I felt like absolute crap when I completed my bachelor's at 20, 20 years old, and I didn't automatically get into my doctoral program that I wanted to get into. Felt like a useless, awful, terrible, stupid piece of garbage. But if you look at it from a logical perspective, I completed my bachelor's degree in three years. And since I started early, I graduated two years after graduating high school and had honors. I, I had like a four point whatever GPA. I was winning awards. I was super smart. I had straight A's except for accounting, which was a B plus. And so you can look at it and it's from the outside. Let's look at all this logic. Am I a worthless piece of ignorant garbage? Oh no, I graduated early. I graduated with honors. My GPA was there. I had takeaways. I was actually able to apply for doctoral programs at the age of 20. Let's look at these. Okay, and now that I can identify all those logical things, when the bully starts saying things, then you address the bully with logical facts in the moment. No, you're not useless garbage. You're actually very smart. Let's go through those things again. Let's go through that list again, that repetition of positive things until we gain control of that negative voice and then we can start fixing the actual problem, which is not in that same step. <laughs> you have to get to it. No, that's brilliant. That's, that's really good. It's so interesting how different skills and practices overlap with one another because I was a, when I was in the army, I was a master resilience trainer. And one of the things that we taught was called real-time resilience. And it was almost exactly that where it's like mm -hmm. you have, it was combating negative thoughts, combative negative self, negative self-talk. And so mm -hmm. you, you have that idea and, and you're challenging it in real time mm -hmm. with facts that you know about yourself and you keep going. It's not like you have a set amount where it's like, you do three facts and then you're yeah. good. You know, it's keep like, going. yeah, going. you keep going until you get that. Oh, okay. Like you have that like gut feeling of like, ah, that's right. Yep. That's not right. I get it. Like this perspective is, is checked. And, and human brains, and I don't know why this is a thing. It's probably something Darwinism or evolutionary, but we are more inclined to focus on the negative always. It doesn't matter who you are. A functioning brain will grab onto negative longer than it'll grab onto positive. So some nasty mean thing that your mom said to you when you were in high school will stick with you until you are dead. Um, thanks, mom. Uh, I'm kidding. She never said anything too terrible. I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, but, you know, that that thing, that negative or, you know, uh, we talked about in a performance review, you can say X, Y and Z. Here's this laundry list of good things that you did. Here's this one thing you need to uh, fix and correct. And my brain's going to say, oh, my God, we can't do this one thing. They're going to fire me. I'm, I need to start looking for a new job. I'm worth as garbage like. ah. And so you have to realize that the 
human nature is to lean towards the negative. So we have to use something else like that logic or like positive, you know, surrounding ourselves with positivity and all of that stuff to kind of offset that. And that is not to say that we don't acknowledge that bad things happen. This, I am not telling anyone that they're perfect because trust me, there are a lot of people that are not perfect. And that when that voice says something in your head and it's being mean, it might have a point. It just might not be saying it in the right way. And that's why I want to use logic to address the larger, the larger issue moving forward. So like, let's say I have a weight issue. The voice is saying you're useless garbage. How dare you? I mean, you're obese, you're a cow, you're the, uh, that's the voice. The voice is making a uh, sound at me. It's kind of being rude. And so it's twofold. That voice it's a combination of society and how I'm, I think I'm supposed to be. And it's, it's a combination of that and me and whatever. And so first things to do is put on that air mask, like in the plane, do that first. Get yourself to a point where you're not in a negative spiral. Then say, okay, logically speaking, am I a healthy weight? Do I have healthy cardiovascular function? Am I struggling to go up a flight of stairs? These are things, okay, now that I'm in a healthier place, and not spiraling, how can I address this? What can I do? Okay, so let's start a gym routine. Let's ask for help. Let's tell our boss like, hey, boss man, Matthew, I know you run, you run marathons because you are a person that has running as a fun hobby. And I really am trying to get better. Can you help me? And so there's such a nice way, a nicer, easier way to do things and to better yourself without being nasty. And so I'm not telling anyone that your voice is always wrong. I'm saying you don't need it to be a bully and to be mean to you to adjust and correct some problems. That's true. It's the, it's most criticism has roots somewhere in reality, you know, and it's so not completely brushing it off. I think I think one of the things that we do frequently is actually we never properly end the spiral. I think that's the thing that a lot mm -hmm. of people do. So I think what happens is we allow the negativity spiral to be interrupted by life events. And mm -hmm. so it, our, our rather than closing it mm -hmm. off and having a sense of closure with it, you are inter you're just simply interrupted like, oh, well, I have to go to work now. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I go to work and now, now my brain is, is there on task. Oh, I'm meeting, I'm meeting with friends. Okay. I'm having laughs and jokes. Then it's not a problem anymore. It's not a problem anymore. Quotes, <laughs> yep. air quotes for people just listening. <laughs> um, but it is because it's going to come back. And so yep. I think that's probably the biggest problem that people have is, is it's very hard for what I have noticed from people that do resilience training and mindset training is they'll say, you have to stop self, to, you have to stop the negative self-talk. You have to stop the spiral. You have to, you have to do that. And there's no, like, <laughs> there's no, like, this is how you do that because it's like, I, you have to dive into somebody's brain and be like, warning stars. Like this is the time when you stop. Like, and so yep. the only thing I've been able to come up with is through my own practice on myself. If I'm trying to stop a pattern of thinking, if I'm responding the same way negatively to the same events, if I'm trying to do anything that's mental for myself, it's going to start post hoc. 
Like it's going to start, like it's going to, there has to be an assessment phase. So that's the thing that you mm-hmm. can do is you could say what negative event occurred. Pick mm-hmm. one now, pick an event, like pick an interaction that you had where you were not happy at the close of it. All right, let's sit down and look at that. And then we can work ourselves back to the point of like understanding where the emotions, emotions are super important. I don't want to dive into how important the emotions are because I don't do have it that much time. almost <laughs> exactly. And I do it in almost every show, but it is. And so, yes, round two, absolutely. But so once you, once you understand how to properly bring in the logic there, you're all doing, this is all assessment phase. This is all after mm-hmm. the fact. And, but what happens is you're, you've, brought a certain amount of awareness which i have so much like i hate the word triggered but it's the best word for now i'm triggered by the word awareness i hate it i think it's the most worthless word i think it's correction it's the most overused word because it's never backed with action this is why it matters here when we're bringing awareness to this point to like we're highlighting this is the point when when things got off the rails, what that awareness does is that next time, you're still not going to catch it in time. But that post hoc that we just did, it's going to get closer. And it might be closer, like, like that post hoc might have been two weeks ago, a conversation you had, the first one. The next one might be like four days. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I, re- I did that exercise and that happened. And that's been bugging me. And now that it's been bugging, I realized that that's a tool. That's a resource I can use. Let's use that same resource to to debug, to go back through that system or to run it, to run that conversation through that system. And you keep doing that to the point where like you're getting closer and closer. And I did that until the point where in real time, like I did right now, correcting myself with words and terms. That's one mm-hmm. of the mental tricks that I did was like, you're not saying the word that you actually think. Like yep. verbal momentum is carrying you through and like stop and actually think about the meanings of the words because words matter and words. Mean- I say this to my family all the time. I'm like, they'll say something. And I'm like, you mean this? They're like, you know what I meant? And I was like, words matter. All right. All words matter. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you also can't be a jerk about the meeting and ma- the words and how they matter because sometimes a definition that you have is not the definition someone else has. You have to rock that whole connotation so, denotation. Semantic because, noise. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so I actually had that. Some people. Yeah. I've had that conversation on the podcast with Rob Dubin, a uh, oh. great guest. And it was about the something you had even mentioned, not in the same terminology even, but I talk about struggle being important. I have like my own acronyms and all the fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but a struggle is one of the key components that for, I believe for a person to have a fulfilled life, to lead a fulfilled life. And he disagreed uh, pretty strongly, but just wanted to, it was, but it was semantic noise. It was, we used, he said he wanted uh challenge and not struggle. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. To me, that's, it's not, yeah. it's there's still not equatable to exactly the same thing, but he's like, challenge draws you to it. Like you want to do a challenge. So I was like, yeah, but that's kind of the point, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of the point of struggle. Like you yeah. don't want to do it, but you grow from it, you know, but it's yeah. at the same time, if you look at your struggles as a challenge, I'm open, you know what I mean? But like, but your point is well taken in the sense that like, you have to clarifying terms and definitions really does matter. And that's, that's what I mean when I say words matter is that it's not my meaning. It's that 
they are symbols that we use to convey meaning. And yes. so if we're conveying, if our meanings are, are missing each other because we're using the same word differently, it can lead to a silly conversation that's not productive. But it can be productive if you have the conversation and say, I don't understand, define that for me. Like in your, your um, you said it was Robert, um, mm. you know, you two defined it. And, and to me, I'm not going to lie. I lean with Robert on this one. I don't mm. want anyone to push struggle on me. I will take a challenge. But if you're like, I want you to struggle and hate yourself, like, <laughs> it's, so not about, say, it's not about, it's not about wanting to push struggle onto people, to be clear. It's, it's, to me, it's, 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 and it's a part of growth. Like yes. you don't, you don't grow your it's, it's, it's the rate of growth. Right. And yes. so like, it's I the agree. same thing we no, talked I about with relationships. But I will push challenges on people like my children or yeah. not again, not my children, but the people that I mentor or the people that work for me or people who just are unwittingly in my orbit and just surprised. Um, I will push challenges. What but I happens won't... when somebody's challenged? Do they perhaps struggle? No. I feel like the emotional backing <laughs> is different. A challenge is like, I, I've i been ta tasked with this. I mm -hmm. know that they think I can do it. I It's going to take me extra work, ex extra um, thought power, whatever. But there's going to be an assumption that there is a positive outcome. Whereas struggle is a negative feeling for me in my situation and mm -hmm. whatever. If I feel like I'm struggling, it feels like I can't do it. It feels like it's too, it's out of the range that I am capable of. Even if I'm pushing myself, it feels it. like it's something something is going to hurt if i'm struggling at the mm -hmm. gym i might injure myself if i am challenging myself at the gym i am doing it in a more controlled method and i will get better and i will push those limits but i'm not worried about hurting myself so to me the emotions that are invoked in those two words are different and yeah, one there's... is a positive word whereas one is a negative word there's... and so Technically, you're right. You are right in semantics and in definitions. Yes, struggle is perfectly fine. But if I'm thinking about it, if I am going to give you one of them, would you rather be punched in the face or would you like an opportunity to lift heavier? Punch him. Well, yes, obviously, everyone needs to get throat punched on occasion. But what? 